This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Jordan from Smallville, Bad Cat Shipper. This is episode number 162. Um, oh, I don't have to say it anymore, Tim. <laughs> That's right. Still haven't gotten used to it yet. <laughs> it, uh, it says it for me, right? In the beginning? Yep. Okay. Um, it probably says it much better than we ever did in our intro. So. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But, uh, yeah, so, so we haven't done an episode in a while, Tim, so... I thought, like, in this beginning area, before we get to our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, we could uh, sort of catch up. So, yeah. Uh, well, first off, Dan, got to ask yeah. you for the reason that we didn't record yesterday because, or yesterday, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, was because of the recent like storms and hurricane watches that we had in Hawaii and everything. Yeah. Was it everything okay with you there? <laughs> I'm sure it was pretty rough, but I guess I know power was kind of going in and out for you and internet connection. So, yeah. So, uh, just the power went out it was you know i think they have to hype this up um you know just so people prepare for it and Mm -hmm. you know get their water and their food and you know things like that but it wasn't really there there wasn't really anything my power did go out which was uh unfortunate for like 30 to 40 minutes um so it wasn't that bad but um I know other islands got hit worse, so. Uh, but for me, uh, but but as as for me, not nothing really. Um, I know a lot of people were going out and and buying supplies and stuff, and you know, emptying the stores and you know, things like that. Um, but nothing really happened. Uh, it was just pretty. It, it, it was just pretty much like a bad storm. Was okay. all it was. That's good. Well, like you said, better safe than sorry, I guess, yeah. <laughs> to prepare for it in case it does yeah, uh, be as bad as they predicted it would be. Because I didn't prepare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that's what I, I, I mean, I don't get, right? Because, you know, every time there's a tsunami warning or a hurricane warning or whatever, right, that we have here, uh, people go out and then they buy all kinds of canned food, all kinds of um I mean, uh, all kind, uh, all kinds of drinks and stuff like that, right? So, like, the stores mm-hmm. are empty, but then once it passes, they go back and return all that stuff, <laughs> and it, it, it's it's kind of like, why don't you just keep it for the next one? You know, exactly. I, mean? like, yeah, I was about to say, why don't you keep it? Because it's sure that's not going to be the last <laughs> emergency warning there's going to be. Yeah, because there, there's another another hurricane, but it's going to turn into a storm that's going to hit kind of around 
uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think. Mm, there you week. go. <laughs> yeah. So. so another one, Tim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we were able to get our recording uh, out of the way before it hits this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Fortunately, we don't have to record an episode then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then hopefully in the next two weeks, it will, there won't be another one. So yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. get back on track with some more episodes in a row. <laughs> It's kind of bad because I I had I had taken those two days off the Thursday and the Friday, uh-huh. um, because I had a family thing. Uh, a lot of my family flew down from the mainland, and we were going to do our family thing. But uh, ended up, you know, Thursday stores some stores didn't open, some stores closed early, and then Friday nothing was open. Right. <laughs> and then Saturday nothing was open, or things are starting to slowly open again. So, so they had a fun time, right? <laughs> <a> fun time. <laughs> yeah, um, nothing really. Uh, so, so, so that's why we didn't have an episode. Yeah, I know you were close to telling me like, "Hey, I'm able to record," but anyway, oh, wait, never mind. It's like power still. Yeah. <laughs> like I went back out. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We were close, but still didn't work out. <laughs> but man, yeah, so. I no storms over here in California. <laughs> you have to worry about that. But I mean, the big thing that happened this week and just a few days ago that we were hoping both to talk about, but I sadly won't be <laughs> as far oh, as it comes oh, to wait, Tim. Uh, uh, before we get to that, okay, that uh, big news. I have kind of big news. Uh, my sister uh, gave birth. Oh, wow. so, congratulations! Uh, yeah, I'm now an uncle. Oh, of an okay, nephew. I gotta start. Yeah, I got to start calling you Uncle Day now. <laughs> yeah, please call me Uncle Day. <laughs> no, but she gave birth a uh, little bit premature, uh, mm. but everything is fine. Didn't need to be intubated or anything. So that's good. Yeah. So is this your first uh, nephew or niece or nephew that yeah. is coming into the family for you? Okay. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, it's a big occasion. I, I I went on the day he was born, and you know I I I, I went in. And I thought that there would be like a lot of people there. And it was just me. Oh, wow. <laughs> me and my sister and my brother-in-law. So, <laughs> Hey, well, you're there to show the family support, Dan. So good on you. Yeah, yeah I was the first one there because everybody came after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the baby's name? Uh, baby's name is David, uh, named after my dad and uh, my brother-in-law's dad. Cool. Yeah. So if you had a Dane, if yeah, if you had a Dane, Dane, <laughs> if you had a kid, Dane, would you name it whether it's a boy or a girl? Somewhat's in the family, or would you try to give it like a geeky comic book movie name that it's like a franchise that you love? <laughs> uh, Tim, it's gonna easily be Qui Gon Jinn. One yeah. word, <laughs> just one word. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Or Obi Wan Kenobi. One word. Maybe there's a hyphen. Between yeah. Obi Wan and Kenobi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you it. will. I'm sure you will, Tim. Like, oh, like uh, if it's a right. if I ever advocate it's a boy, Luke is the n- number one name on my list. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a girl, it's Leia, right? Yep, you got it. <laughs> Leia or Ray? I don't right? know. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say Ray. Actually, is kind of winning me over, maybe over Leia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I think that's probably a more popular or, name now amongst <laughs> newborns, since it's more recent. Or how about uh, Leia? Uh, Ray Rose Tico. <laughs> yeah, Leia Ray Rose Tico Skywalker Jurassic. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Sounds like um, 
he or she will, ne- will not have any problem with spelling those names in, yeah. in school. <laughs> she won't hate me afterwards <laughs> for giving her that long of a name. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. So congratulations, yeah. Dane. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, so the big thing I was we were getting to that, like, like I said, we're both planning to be talking about, but unfortunately I won't be, is the release of Spider-Man on the PS4. And man, this has got a lot of hype. I mean, I'm, yeah. when it was first saw that trailer, everyone was excited for it. I was really excited for it. But this is like the hype went to another level in the last month or two with the anticipation for its release. And rightfully so, because it looks amazing. Yeah. Pun, in, pun intended with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of hype going on for it. But right. uh, Dane, you got yours. But me, uh, <laughs> not so much. And there's a reason why. It's because, as you know, I had a PS4 since for a few years now but i never upgraded to a pro and i figured with spider-man coming out the game looks amazing this is gonna be one that i probably should play with the best graphics possible in the 4k and on the playstation 4 pro so i figured this will be the time i trade in my system and upgrade to a pro and i was gonna do that anyway just get a standard ps4 pro but once i saw the bundle I go, oh that's pretty cool it's the same price as the ps4 pro and it comes with the spider-man game but I wasn't sold on the look of the system. You know, it's, really? it's bright red. It has the Spider-Man logo is awesome. I just wasn't crazy about the red coloring on it. No, because so, I thought that the, the the red PS4 Pro looked really really cool with the Spider-Man logo on it. Yeah, see, I think I might be in the minority there because I've seen mm. a lot of people tell me that yeah. <laughs> every time I say I'm not too crazy <laughs> about it. Because well, the ultimate would be if it was like the standard black PS4 Pro and it had the Spider-Man like symbiote logo on there, <laughs> like this black suit. That would be awesome, but. It's the red one. Or even if it was blue, I wouldn't mind that because blue is my favorite color. And just the red really stands out. <laughs> it's going to stand out in my entertainment center because everything on there is black. Right. So <laughs> this is going to be a big PS, red PS4 system. <laughs> so I, I, I knew it went up for pre-order. I didn't do it right away because I still wasn't sure. But then I just thought to myself, you know, it's too good of a deal to pass up on. I need a PS4 Pro. Might as well save 60 bucks and get it with the game. So a few days before I traded my PS4, and this is like, middle of august around there i checked best buy they had it up for pre-order i go oh cool let me trade in my systems first and then i'll pre-order it big mistake (laughs) like the day after i went to trade in my systems at gamestop first i was gonna try to pre-order at gamestop because i would get more with the trade-in to put down for the pre-order but they didn't have any more reservations on there so i go okay cool i'll take the cash and i'll just pre-order at best buy i trade in my systems got the cash for it and then I went to go pre-order it on Best Buy. The next day after I saw it, they had it. It was gone. Completely like, sold out. Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Let me check Amazon, gone. Let me check Target, gone. Let me check Walmart, gone. I already checked GameStop, so let me I'll check their online store instead of my local store, gone. Like, uh, So I just kind of signed up for a bunch of like email notifications when it gets back in stock, and I'll be checking periodically on Best Buy and all that. So I kept doing that uh, for the next few weeks. And then finally, last week, last Thursday, I believe, like before, this like the right the end of August, right before September hit, a week before the game came out, I saw it on Best Buy. I, oh, awesome! They have it. I click because every time you go to the page that has it for pre-order, it just say coming soon. But now it said click to pre-order. I'm like, awesome! Clicked it. It says, oh, we cannot ship to your address. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! It's like, oh, <laughs> or you cannot pick it up at your local store. Like the nearest 
location that you can have a pickup at a store or we can deliver to you is like 250 miles away from Chino. <laughs> like, no, nah, you got to be kidding me. It was so close. I was like, okay, well, since Best Buy had it in stock, let me check GameStop, the online store, real quick. So I go there and they had it. I'm like, yes. So I clicked it. No limitations on where they could ship it. I got it pre-ordered. It all went smoothly. And then this had to wait till I get the notification that it shipped. So two days ago from once we're recording this podcast, I got the notification saying it shipped. But the estimated delivery date will be on Wednesday, September 12th. Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, nah, no, no. I was, I was kind of expecting that I wouldn't get it on launch day just because I pre-ordered it so late. And it was like a week before the game releases. But I was hoping it would be like Monday or something, like a yeah. few days after the launch day. But it's going to be Wednesday, so still waiting on it. But the good news is, is I was able to find the Spider-Man PS4 Pro bundle. I'm getting that. I'm getting the good deal on it. So it's got to be a little more patient. But man, I'll be yeah. honest. Seeing everyone's tweets that pretty much everyone I follow on Twitter is playing the game and saying how amazing it is. I was like uh, trying to ignore it the best I could because <laughs> I just want to experience it for myself. But Dane, with, even with saying that, I make just to hear your thoughts on it, too, because I know uh, you've been looking forward to it as well. So, yeah. And you've that's the only one of us here who's played it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hear your thoughts on it. So, yeah, no, this is kind of this is kind of amazing. I mean, I'm uh, I'm experiencing something spider-man before tim is i know it's weird needed that (laughs) ps4 pearl bundle for some reason Um, yeah it's my the story of my life (laughs) pre-ordering things too late and i have to wait to get it (laughs) so there was no uh in-store pickup for um gamestop no none of that was available oh that sucks um so yeah like you said this game is hyped up if you read twitter or a gaming website this past week, I'd say. Um, it's a b- all been about Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Uh, I've been staying away from every game like, yeah. site that's showing previews, cutscenes, launch trailers, all that. Like, I don't want to see anything until I actually yeah. get my hands on it. Yeah, that's actually better for you. Um, because all this hype, all this talk is definitely worth it. It's it's really good game, Tim. <laughs> oh, man. It's... Um, <laughs> It's Arkham, but in the sky. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but um, yeah, the, the fighting style reminds me of Arkham, the Arkham games. It's it's pretty much you. It's a, it's a button masher, and there's a dodge button, but then they throw in this the the, the web slinging part of it, mm-hmm. right? So uh, there's all these different elements that really really come together really well, and um, from what I've seen of this story. Now, I, I haven't gotten that deep into the story because I've only started it uh, yesterday. And uh, I got majorly, majorly sidetracked with all of the side quests. Um, <laughs> I know you're not the only one who's got distracted by those side quests. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that for a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything for you, Tim, by saying that uh, there are radio towers that you have to set up and... Um, uh, there are backpacks that you can find, right? Okay. There's backpack ba- backpacks that you can find, and there are um, sort of like these uh, Fisk uh, construction sites that you have to take down. Um, so I've just been majorly sidetracked by all of that because <laughs> you get these tokens, you can upgrade the suits, you can... Um, 
you, you get more XP, um, and I'm just, I'm just wondering if I should say this next part, Tim. Uh, <laughs> is it story related or no, it's not story related. Uh, well, kind of, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, but, but it's also a mini game, um, okay. that really, I think they do really good. I mean, it's a mini game you've seen in, you know, thousands of other games where you have to get the sort of electricity from one point to another point using set pieces. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, 90 degree angles and straight uh, straight pieces and, you know, stuff like that. Um, there's also another one where you can match up slides. Um, there's like these lines in these slides um, that you have to match up, but a lot of them don't automatically match up. You have to you have to combine them all to um, to create one. So uh, yeah, I've just been sidetracked with that. I've been sidetracked with um, uh, uh, testing out all of the the, the suits um, mm-hmm. because I did buy the deluxe edition. So it comes okay. with the the punk rock one. Comes with the um, Infinity War one. Oh, nice! <laughs> and it comes with one more. I'm not sure. Is it the, the Scarlet Spider one? The one where he has like the blue vest over the red suit. Yeah, 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 that's the other okay. one. And then, uh, yeah, Infinity War, and then the punk rock one. So, been uh, distracted with that. Um, <laughs> Do you find yourself just aimlessly swinging over the every building and across the sky just because how yeah. beautiful the game looks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Um, uh, something that was missing from Arkham, uh, not Arkham Asylum, not Arkham City, Arkham, uh, the last Night. Arkham game. Yeah, Arkham Knight. Uh, where you're, where you can go around Gotham. Mm. Uh, one thing that was missing was there was no liveliness to it, right? It was okay, yeah. pretty much an abandoned city, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, this is totally different. There's traffic. There's people walking around. Uh, there's day night cycle. Uh, I'm not sure. That's if there's, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if there's uh, weather. Uh, haven't really experienced any kind of weather, um, but just. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was gonna ask, with you saying there's like lots of people walking around. Is there like random crimes where you could see like someone getting mugged? Yeah, on the street. Okay, and you have to stop yeah, you, the crook. Remember, I was telling you about how you have to set up the uh, radio towers or whatever. Um, that's how you track crime. There's just I, I think it's just randomly generated. Um, oh, okay, you know, there's like store break-ins or there's a uh, you know a police chase. Those police chases are really really fun. <laughs> um, it takes you a while to get it down because while you're swinging and trying to catch up to the car, they're shooting at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but once you, you know, get onto the car, it's, it's really, really cool. So, um, but you know, the, there's the day night cycle, there's people, there's cars, there's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful game. And I think what, uh, is it insomniac games? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what they did really well was they, they sort of, just made it they they did a really good job in making it you know a real living breathing world um i mean again i've only played it for you know maybe five hours at most but just my initial impressions it's it's a city that you know it feels like an actual city rather than just a closed off sort of um arkham knight kind of game you know what i mean yeah so Hype is definitely, <laughs> de- definitely well warranted. Um, 
uh, let's see what else can I say about it. Um, Here I um, was, Dane, hoping when we were recording this podcast, it would help, you know, pass the time for this week until I get the system now. You're just making it worse. Yeah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> really can't wait to play it. The, the hype is definitely worth it. If you're thinking, if, you, if, if you're on the edge, definitely get it. Um, especially if you like the Arkham games. It's, it's pretty much the same exact thing, but you're Spider-Man and it's it's a lot more fun, I guess I'd say. It's it's not so much, you know, you have to sneak into the building and then you have to take out the guy, right? Okay. You know, it's 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 a lot more fun because there's the, the there's the flying through the city, the web slinging, uh, which does take a a little bit of a little bit of practice to get used to, right? Um, or it, at least it did for me. It didn't come naturally because you just use the R two button and. You know, sometimes you just randomly land on the ground because there's nothing to attach to. <laughs> um, especially when you when you go off a go off of a skyscraper, um, it's like you're falling for a long time, and you're wondering, like, is there going to be a building? <laughs> because <laughs> because let's, yeah, let's go. It's not like you could just fling your web whenever you want when there's like nothing there there has to be there has to be some building there. or like a yeah. lamppost for you to clutch onto with your web so yeah 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 there has to be a smaller building nearby for you to uh, clamp onto but um yeah everything so far the combat is great um there's a lot of different special moves that you can unlock um have you seen many cutscenes yet? Because man, those look really great. And <laughs> just how seamlessly they transition into gameplay, at least from the last E3 trailer. Because I think that was the last one I watched before I started keeping away from everything. But I know you're barely into the story. But have yeah. you come across any cool cutscenes yet? Um, I'm, I, I, I'm just trying to think of one I can tell you about without <laughs> uh, spoiling it. Um. Do do you know uh, Doc Ock is in the game, right? Yeah, uh, I think it was in one of the trailers I saw, or at least I, they hinted at. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So there's a scene uh, early on where um, he he he's not the evil villain yet. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, that was really interesting, and it 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 ends up helping you out. I'd say hmm. so. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but as for the gameplay, it's 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 really really good, especially when you're just you know you're not in the middle of a mission, you're not doing anything, you're just flying around the city. I think that's when the game really shines. And then, uh, you know, let's say you miss, you know, your web right, and you fall to the ground, and then there's a whole another sort of game there because there's people, there's traffic. Um, there's a ton of other things that you can do down there, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, definitely going to keep you busy. <laughs> like yeah. even if, after you beat the main story, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if I had to give it a rating, I'd, I'd probably give it like a, f I don't know if I can do this, but like 4.8 out of five. <laughs> well, yeah. It's pretty until cool. you fully complete it. Yes. I guess you can't give it a perfect score just yet, but yeah. it looks like it's heading that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good, Tim. And <laughs> Why do you do this to yourself? I know. <laughs> I know. I should have realized that I would have gotten a bundle anyway, but yeah. for some reason, I, I, the way it looked kept me from pre-ordering it right away, and now I'm paying for it <laughs> by waiting. <laughs> but man, I can't wait. This is, this is one of the three 
because I'm probably I'm literally only looking forward to three games this holiday season because we know that's the time when all the big games come out of the year. So it's this one, and after that, Red Dead Redemption Two, and then Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Switch. Those are like my three games I'll be playing this year, and this one is like definitely one that I I mean kind of wor- actually kind of worried about not being able to finish Spider Man before Red Dead comes out because that's only a month away. So and the fact that I'm even waiting a little longer to play it makes me even more worried that I won't have it done in time because I don't like having two games that I'm playing through at the same time. I like to fully beat one then move on to the next one. So we'll see. But man, yeah, everything you're saying and the little bit I followed on Twitter, even though I'm trying to ignore it, <laughs> it just makes me so excited. I can't wait because yeah. my favorite Spider-Man game is still the one they released on the first PlayStation back in 2000. That to me is still, even though the graphics are definitely outdated now and it's not an open world game, <laughs> I just love that they pretty much encompassed everything I love about Spider-Man in one game. You had all the classic villains, great voice acting and dialogue from Spider-Man. He interacted with other heroes. The level design was good. It was just like the first truly great, I think, Spider-Man and maybe even superhero game for that generation of gaming in the PlayStation 1 era. So. That's the one it has to beat, but I'm pretty sure it probably will after everything I'm hearing about it. So I'm just really anxious to get my hands on it. So just a few yeah. more days. Got to wait a few more days. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. I think they really nailed the voice and the look of uh, Peter Parker. Um, yeah, he, I know the voice actor. He does yeah. several. I know he does game. He does several anime, too. I know he's oh. done a main character on uh, Naruto, Sasuke. That's my biggest familiarity with him as an actor. Yeah. His name is Yuri. I forget his last name. I know his first name is Yuri, but yeah, because it's, it, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm not spoiling anything for you. I don't think, uh, that it's a uh, older Peter Parker. Yeah. Right. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. It's older Peter Parker, but then he still has that kid about him, you know, mm, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's especially funny. Um, you don't know what I'm going to be talking about. Maybe if you're listening to this, you will, um, it's a uh, spider cop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another thing I like about this game too. I've, I'm excited for it. Cause kind of like that first one on the PlayStation one I was talking about, it's something that does nothing to do with any tie-ins to a movie because for the longest time, that's all spider games were for a while with all the Sam Raimi movies. And yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, the amazing Spider-Man, the two movies that got games. There was some sprinkle around here and there. The best one being Spider-Man shattered dimensions, where you play these different Spider-Man from different dimensions, like the Spider-Man New War, Spider-Man 2099. That was a really cool Spider-Man game. And there's been some other ones, but the majority have been movie tie-in games. And the fact that this one's just like the Arkham game is just something that's standing all on its own and can do its own thing, which is refreshing. So that's another thing that has me excited about it. Because you were talking about the older Peter Parker yeah. with Spider-Man now in the MCU being a teenager and in high school, you would think maybe that's something they'd want to capitalize on or tie into a little bit since that's what uh, the majority are familiar with spider-man right now as far as movies goes but i'm glad they are doing the older peter parker because when i grew up as spider-man a fan when i was first got into the character he was someone who was already you know out of school and just working for the daily bugle and kind of doing his own thing and that's the peter parker i'm familiar with and kind of like so i'm glad they're kind of going that route too so another reason why it's good that it's not being tied into any movies yeah, or scenarios yeah. that it's capitalizing <laughs> on. So that's yeah, yeah, it De- definitely has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't even have anything to do with the comics, I don't think. No, um, yeah, that's another thing too. Yeah, it's not tied in with the comics. It's not tied in with the uh, movies. It's not tied in with uh, Tobey Maguire, 
Spider-Man. <laughs> That'd be weird if it was a continuation of that. <laughs> um, speaking of which, you know, I I had to prepare for uh, this big occasion of playing the new Spider-Man game by uh, watching my favorite Spider-Man movie, um, Spider-Man 3, Tim. It's on oh. uh, Netflix. <laughs> First time I've seen it in five years, I'd say. Six years. <laughs> It'd be since I first saw it. I'm surprised the gap is that short, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's so, a bad as good movie. as you remember, huh? <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's a real bad movie. Um, yeah. uh, I totally forgot how long it is until you f- see Spider-Man. Um, it's it's like almost thirty forty minutes before you wow. see him. Yeah, it is a pretty good portion. Yeah, I will um, say I do. Like those early Spider-Man scenes where he's like taking on Sandman and stopping that crane. All that stuff is good Spidey action, in my opinion. It's just as soon as he gets the symbiote on, which should have been yeah. where the movie goes to another level and be awesome. It just went down, 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 down <laughs> the further it went on. Well, it's not only that. It's also the the, the, the uh, beginning of the of the movie. It's so slow, and it's like, okay, so now we got to catch up with uh, Mary Jane, yeah. and now we got to catch up with, um, yeah, the whole uh, Harry Franco. Osborne yeah. getting amnesia with such an unneeded plot line in the movie it was so <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's not only that; it's also the fact that uh, James Franco's playing it so uh, campy. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> and that's another thing too about the. Um, about that movie, it seems campy, especially like Tobey oh, Maguire. Yeah, definitely. In the <laughs> you know the beginning where he's like, you know, he's buying flowers for Mary Jane, and then oh, I can't afford all of the flowers. So, <laughs> well, that's typical Peter Parker, though. Yeah, <laughs> that, that stuff I don't mind. And he's, you know, going around town, and you know, everything is like, oh, golly gee, no, like <laughs> that was hard to get through, and then. Sandman comes. You don't really care about his storyline. Yeah. <laughs> they try to tie it back to the first and, movie. And let's throw in Eddie Brock in here because everyone wants Venom. <laughs> so the producers wanted to make sure they get him in, even though Sam Raimi doesn't want to use him and yeah, doesn't yeah. like the character. And you can tell why <laughs> in this movie that he doesn't care about Venom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That, that, I mean... This movie doesn't have. I mean, this this new movie, uh, this new Venom movie, doesn't really have to do much to be better than Spider-Man. Oh no, yeah, I think yeah. it probably already will be. At least they're nailing how <laughs> Venom looks and acts a little more yeah. <laughs> than anything we saw in Spider-Man Three. Is but is, uh, I can go on a tangent on that movie too. But I'll save that probably when it comes out. <laughs> is Carnage the the villain? He's like rumored to be. If he is, they're keeping him secret. Oh. But he's not the villain that you're seeing in the trailers and all that right now. Oh, I see. Who is the villain of that? I forget his name. It's another symbiote character. So it's pretty much probably going to be like Carnage, except not Red. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of bad Spider-Man movies, um, I'm really, really curious to the point where I might rent it. Um. the second Andrew Garfield one. Mm, okay. Have you yeah. ever seen that one? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't speak well if you did see it. <laughs> I think I've seen the beginning part where they're, where uh, Peter and uh, Gwen Stacy are kind of just like going out. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Is that how is that how it begins? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it you know, pretty much begins with Spider-Man trying to make it to his graduation, and he's stopping a robbery. And it, it, oh, then he has right, to make it right. to his graduation yeah, in like, yeah. his Spider-Man costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now I remember. <laughs> is so, the this does Gwen Stacy die in that? In yeah. The movie? Oh, okay. Yeah. And she That's dies much, the classic way. Yeah, that was probably uh, the best part of the movie. How well they re- re- recreated that you know, classic sequence in the comics, except yeah. it really wasn't, they threw in Harry Osborn turning into the green goblin, which you know was way too quick and it didn't make it as impactful as it would have been if it was, you know, the Norman yeah. Osborn green goblin who has an established history of being Spider-Man's enemy instead of his becoming the green goblin within 10 minutes, he's killing Gwen Stacy already. It just way too rushed. And Harry Osborn as becoming the Green Goblin was shoehorned in there. It, it's, it's similar in Spider-Man 3 in a few ways where a lot of <laughs> things were shoe, are shoehorned in there and made it way too overstuffed. Oh, yeah. Not to mention trying to set up the Sinister Six movie that was supposed to sp- spawn out of this <laughs> sequel. <laughs> Did it really work out? No, um, it didn't. And also there was uh, Rhino and... Yeah, Rhino. Oh, man. <laughs> Paul Giamatti does make, doesn't make a good... And the yeah. suit they decided that just the mechanical big rhino suit did yeah. not look good at all. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, oh, uh, speaking of Green Goblin and my favorite actor, Dane DeHaan. Yeah. Well, uh, when do I use your favorite actor? Yeah, no reason. Uh, <laughs> I just think he's a really good actor. Um, I did see Valerian. <laughs> oh, you did see it. <laughs> what did you think? Was it? No, I'll just let you go ahead and <laughs> tell me what you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a very good movie. It has really cool concepts. Yeah, exactly. Um, just not written very well. And, I mean, some of Dane DeHaan's, like, I don't know if he's doing, like, a Keanu Reeves impression. <laughs> he sounds he reminds me of Keanu Reeves from uh, Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, just I like every now, but... yeah, every single line is just like that deadpan, uh, where he sounds like he's asking you a question at the end. You know, like okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now you say that he does to kind of have that <laughs> way yeah. about his delivery of his dialogue. There, I liked uh, John Goodman's character. I can't remember the character's name though. John Goodman was in it. Yeah, that big slug guy, the Java. Oh man! So, yeah, <laughs> see, so that's obviously a character that didn't leave much of an impression on me. But because <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of cool, unique characters in there, I will say visually, it looked, yeah. it's awesome just to look at. And you hit the nail on the head. Great concept, just not executed the best, and kind of some unnecessary plot points in there, like that whole part where they had to find. Uh, that alien creature who was like the girl dancer or singer. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Like that seemed unnecessary to me or like it was a good chunk of the movie that would have been cut out. It would have flowed a little better and not felt as long to me anyway. I, I just kind of wish, I mean, this is a movie. I, I, I don't really like exposition in movies where there's just characters sitting around explaining stuff, you know, and there's nothing really <laughs> sure, going on. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this movie could have used that, uh, particularly with the the two leads, Dane DeHaan and um, Tara Delavan. Mm. Uh, 
I think that's how you pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Let's call her Enchantress. Enchantress, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I wish that there was an explanation of who they were, where they came from. Uh, are they together? <laughs> you know? Or something? Well, they've definitely made you say that that was the goal of Dane DeHaan's character, to try to make them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because like they begin the movie, they begin the movie like a typical science fiction movie where they explain the government and mm-hmm. how it works and stuff like that. But then they immediately, immediately jump to, uh, the two main characters. Like, I, I can't for the life of me remember their names, Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just wish there was more of an explanation or more of the exposition. Um, but yeah, like you said, cool, cool concepts um bad delivery <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh sunny gray for you guys yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that movie's gonna get moved to what i guess as a starry picture gets moved to the bullpen that movie gets moved to the home rental video release <laughs> <laughs> quicker than most movies will because it didn't do that well in the yeah. box office <laughs> i wonder if they're gonna do a sequel to it I doubt. I don't think it made enough to warrant yeah. a sequel. I'm sure there was plans to. Because I know it's it's based off a manga series. Oh, really? So I'm sure there's other stories to tell. So, so like a straight up Japanese comic. I believe so. Yeah. Oh. I would have never gathered that. I th- I thought this was like an original thing. <laughs> no, that. yeah, you'd think so. Because yeah. it definitely had that feel where it didn't seem like it'd be based off a manga or a comic or anything. But, but yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Valerian, I'd probably give it a, like a, a one and a half out of five. <laughs> so I'd probably give it like a two or two and a half just yeah. based on the visuals keeping me interested. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's what that movie was supposed to be. I don't think it was supposed to be like, you know, deep in deep down and, you know, thoughtful like Star Wars is. I think it was just supposed to be like cool stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's the, that's definitely what they tried to build up in the trailers. That's for sure. Yeah, just showing you all the different locations and like in all the planets that they were going to go to, or it's called the City of a Thousand Planets. So there was definitely <laughs> more they could have explored on there, but they definitely had enough in there to keep it visually interesting, and then each location have its own unique look. Yeah. But anyway, uh, speaking yeah. of movies, <laughs> let's get to our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. Uh, we're going from minute uh, one ten to one eleven. Um, so, so grab your DVD, grab your soon-to-be Blu-ray, grab your um, HD DVD, grab your VHS tape, grab your Beta tape, grab your Laserdisc, your Blockbuster rental, your Netflix physical description, uh, physical description of <laughs> physical subscription. Um, uh, card, I guess, uh, and then grab your my favorite co- uh, version of this movie, your VHS <laughs> to DVD converted copy. It's the only way to watch it. <laughs> it's it, it's how Christopher Nolan intended. <laughs> not IMAX, not 4K or anything. <laughs> VHS to DVD converted. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give the countdown. So Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, play. So we're seeing the truck with the bomb, or does it have the bomb <laughs> through the snow with the tumblers? So how did they get out? 
Did they just walk out? Yeah. I mean, oh. everyone's free to go and do what they want. They just oh, gotta, oh, right. You know, Blake isn't uh, in the sewers. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still with the CIA secret agent guys here. Yeah, I've said it before. I think on our last episode, we're recording this out. This is like the one sequence that goes felt, on. Yeah, a little too long. Yeah. As we're in the no man's land section of the movie. But even though we, you know, we saw John Blake write that the bat logo with the chalk. Yeah. On there, and remember, I remember there was being like speculation early on. Like, if you flip that upside down, it can kind of look like the Nightwing logo or like a Bird Robin logo, <laughs> like that. Do you remember? No, I don't remember that. I don't read. Yeah, that was something I remember reading a lot. <laughs> and I guess if you want to look at it that way, it kind of turned out to be true. But <laughs> I love yes. that was intended. But his name was Robin, so. Yeah, but his name wasn't Dick Grayson, so it wasn't Robin, Tim. <laughs> but he's a, you know, encompasses all Robins. That was the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I wanted to ask you, Tim? What's that? Um. Star Wars related question. I'm not sure if you've answered this on the Saga Continues podcast or another podcast that you've done. What's your most controversial opinion about Star Wars? Maybe like a lot of people like this thing I, or whatever, but I think you saw that tweet that's been going around. Yeah, the past yeah, few yeah. Days. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see your tweet. So. Yeah, I didn't get around to it. I, mean, I saw a lot of people do it, and then I wasn't on Twitter too much yesterday, so I kind of missed it. But I did see it. I saw a lot of people responding to it. I thought, I'll get to it later, but I kind of yeah. never did. <laughs> but I've said this on the Star Wars The Saga Continues plenty of times, and yeah. if I were to send a tweet about it, this is what it would be, that I enjoy Attack of the Clones, or watching Attack of the Clones more than Return of the Jedi, which, really? you know, once I said that, I kind of like, what reaction from Kyle on the episode? <laughs> and I got people tweeting me about that, thinking I'm crazy. So, but I mean, we even want to do a specific episode one day of me really explaining and going into why I think or why I enjoy Attack of the Clones more than Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi is probably a you know better made movie, but I just get more enjoyment out of the Attack of the Clones than I do Return of the Jedi. Minus the ending with Darth Vader, Luke, and the Emperor. That stuff is amazing and one of the best moments in star wars ever so but just as a movie as a whole there's more that i like in attack of the clones than return of the jedi mine also has something to do with return of the jedi i cannot watch the first 20 minutes 30 minutes however long um of that movie um like everything and, with java yeah everything with java really? I just can't do it. Now, that yeah. is a controversial opinion yeah i just can't do it um also the ewok scenes uh where the uh, not 3PO uh, Han is all tied up on the okay the rack or whatever mm-hmm. can't watch that uh, See, also that's the type of stuff where yeah I don't hate it or anything but someone's like it's not my favorite moments in Star Wars there and Attack of the Clones has more of that yeah. than I feel Return of the Jedi does also uh, Empire Strikes Back I cannot watch the uh, the cave scenes with Luke uh, in the beginning, I don't the know. Wampa stuff, yeah, really? the Wampa stuff, yeah. Any reason too slow or just? Uh, I just don't. Y- you never see the Wampa again. Doesn't really reoccur. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just can't watch that. And um, I'll only pause on the Boba Fett scenes in <laughs> in the beginning <laughs> of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I like I pretty much love all the Java stuff. Mine is Jedi Rocks, which is one of the special edition <laughs> changes that will probably wasn't for the best. But. <laughs> you, you know, like I don't know, I'd say like twenty years, they should redo that song. <laughs> oh, like but they already did. Different. <laughs> the, the original yeah, Optic yeah. Neck version was just fine, and they already changed it. <laughs> no, because they did it for the the re-releases. So, like, just to redo it again. <laughs> You've already done it once. Hey, it's probably not in the realm of possibilities, though. Yeah. But um, keeping on the the the, the movie subject, um, uh, why don't you tell everybody about our featured topic for this episode, Tim? Yeah, so going to be doing a different featured topic uh, for this one now that summer is pretty much over technically the season of summer so it was a few weeks ago but the summer movie season is over so i thought you know what we've been doing this podcast for well, six years now we've never done one where we did our favorite movies of the summer and there were a lot of good ones in my opinion this year so i thought you know what, let's go ahead and say what our favorite movies this summer were and kind of do our top five so that's what's going to be our featured topic for this episode so, Dan, did you go to the movies much this year to have a top five? <laughs> uh, not really. I seen a couple. Um, uh, one that I think will surprise you, Tim. Yeah, uh, because you... I did come around to it. Um, I know when I sent you the text about what the future top is going to be. Yeah. You know, like you might be surprised about my number one pick. I'm like, mm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's not really a top five. It's it's just what I've seen. <laughs> so, um, so I guess starting with your least, not your worst movie, but the least favorite that you've seen this year, what would your first one be? Uh, my least favorite? Uh, yeah. Ant-Man. Okay. Yeah. I think it's I the didn't... weakest uh, Marvel movie. Um, yeah, it's wasn't very good. Um, I'm just trying to think of things I can say about it, but I can't really say anything about it. Be- uh, well, I guess I can say that uh, going off the first movie, I was re- really looking forward to this this uh, new movie, but I don't know. It's, it's just something about it I didn't like. Mm. It's, it's also very f- uh, forgettable, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah it wasn't in my top five, but yeah. because I did enjoy it, though. I didn't not like it or anything but um i actually i probably wouldn't call it better than the first one but i thought it was a good natural sequel for it in my opinion it was a simple story and especially coming off of infinity war but yeah uh, my one complaint that i had about it was for being called ant-man and the wasp there wasn't enough ant-man and the wasp action (laughs) i wanted some more of them together there were for certain points of the movie they were kind of off doing their own separate things so because the, they had some cool action when they were working together. It just wasn't enough of that. So that was kind of my one nitpick of it. But I thought it was funny, too. There were some great moments in there that had me laughing. And I guess I should say, too, uh, even though, <laughs> though these movies are going to be a few months old, throwing a spoiler warning out there in case you haven't <laughs> seen it, we'll probably be talking about certain plot points as we talk about you know what some of our favorite movies were and why we like them. So putting that out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Wasp would probably just be like an honorable mention for me. Not didn't cry, quite crack my top five. Yeah. To, to me, it didn't really uh, it didn't really have that sort of. I don't know what the word is um, gravitas, I, I, I guess you could say that okay. um, these smaller films like um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy had, 
right? Mm-hmm. That I mean, nobody really cared about the Guardians of the Galaxy before the movies, right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure there were uh, comic fans, but um, as for the general public, nobody really knew about about them. But then they ha- they 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 stick in your mind. But and I don't know, uh, Ant Man didn't really do that for me. So, and you like the first Ant Man though, right? Yeah, I. <laughs> This is my favorite, ultimate favorite Marvel battle scene, Tim. <laughs> is that <laughs> the final? Talk of the train one? <laughs> yeah, the final yeah. train fight. Uh, especially when they zoom amazing. out. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, it, it is a great one. I'm not going to deny that. No. Yeah. Um, hmm. So you, you see, we're going. Uh, I, I think we're going to have to. Tr- uh, abandon the least favorite to most favorite Tim because I'm going to be jumping all over the place. Okay. Well, I guess I'll give my top five and you can just jump all over however you want. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, so for my number five, this one might surprise you as it's not a movie I usually see in the theaters. I usually wait for it at home, but the Christopher Robin movie with Ewan McGregor. Really? Mm, that was actually really, really good. And the way I compare it, it's like it's this generation's hook where it's kind of a similar story where, you know, a character that you knew from classic stories like Peter Pan and this great Christopher Robin and the Winnie the Pooh stories grows up. And uh, it's not quite like hook where he completely forgets about his time in the hundred acre wood in Winnie the Pooh and all that. He remembers them, but he just gets so consumed with life and his family, you know, he doesn't think about them at all anymore. And then kind of gets called back into that world. So, you know, it was a very, you know, well-told charming story about, you know, stuff you enjoy as a kid and then growing up and kind of dealing with the, all the stresses of life and all that, but how you need to set it, set aside time to enjoy life, spend with your family and the things that you enjoyed as a kid. So the well-told story, you uh, and McGregor does a fantastic job as usual. And as I was sitting in the theater, I just couldn't help but think, man, we really needed to get him as Obi-Wan <laughs> sometime <laughs> again soon because he's just, he's just such a good actor. He's so perfect in the role. So that was a nice surprise uh, for a summer movie that I got to see. And I've heard some mixed things on it. Some people saying it was too depressing or you can't get too much enjoyment out of it. But I, the message it was trying to say totally, totally worked for me. And like I said, it was kind of like this generation's hook where you cannot forget about, you know, the things you enjoy in life as a kid and kind of bring that uh, to yourself as an adult to pass on to your other children. So that would probably be my number five pick for the movies I enjoyed this summer. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, um, I know that movie didn't get good reviews, but uh, once you said Hook, because Hook didn't get um, good reviews at, no, it didn't. at the time. Spielberg doesn't even like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I guess I'm going to have to check it out because I, yeah, I, I was a little on the fence. I was like, oh, I don't really – I mean, it's Ewan McGregor. I know he's a good actor, but I don't know if I'm ready to take that dive. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely recommend checking it out when it gets released on digital. Mm, okay so you got my rec- it has my recommendations for you dane so <laughs> okay so I'll, I'll definitely like it then <laughs> yeah. well well let's kind of hit and miss on what if you like what i recommend but you always yeah. watch what i recommend so i appreciate that so <laughs> <laughs> you're always willing to check it out yeah all right so do you want to give your next one or should i keep going um yeah i'll give my next one okay. um let me apologize to star wars fans to begin with, <laughs> because you know what, I, what I'm going to say. Yes. Solo. See, um, I, 
before you start, I was wondering if this was going to be the one you were telling me about that <laughs> you got a more appreciation for, but well, I guess not. Sorry to pressure bubble, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Solo. I I really, really liked... Um, now I forget the actor's name. Uh, Aaron... Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Okay. I really, really liked his performances. Solo, uh, Han Solo. Um, I really, really thought it was funny that uh, people call him Han still. Mm, well, Lando, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a little hit and miss for me. It was definitely patched together. Um, I mean, of course, because they switch directors in the middle of, of the movie. Um, didn't really have that same feeling I got when I saw Rogue One. So, yeah, Solo is going to be uh, uh, on the fence movie for me. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I'm not one of these guys that yeah. <laughs> are going to bash it. Uh, I did enjoy my time watching it. Um has some great scenes in it, the Millennium Falcon stuff, of course. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a little bit of a miss for me. Hey, at least you saw it and didn't more than one of those boycott idiots who <laughs> claim to love Star Wars but are boycotting a new Star Wars movie. <laughs> That'll set me off. But Yeah, I, uh, I would never boycott a Star Wars movie unless... Hmm, what would it take? I, I guess that's another uh, good question. What would it take for a Star Wars movie to have that or where you would not go to see it, Tim? Yeah, I don't think there's really anything <laughs> i mean R-rated. i mean unless it's something really controversial where it's like yeah. they get there's like racist and they're like made by yeah. someone who's really definitely racist and all that so that type of <laughs> scenario but yeah feel like definitely <laughs> that would probably be the only thing but no, nothing ridiculous as like specific story points of having a particular character arc that you didn't like happen to (laughs) someone in a movie that hasn't you know i shouldn't say nothing to do with the other even though it's all part of the same universe but something that's totally different you're not going to see it and people missing out on it so yeah there's really pretty much nothing that would make me go not go see a star wars movie unless it's something really extreme like i said yeah right but yeah you'll be hearing more for me about solo in a bit, <laughs> as you probably imagined it would be on my list. Really, it's on your list, Tim. I would. No yeah, shocker. Thought. I thought you're in, only into serious dramas. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know you like sci-fi. Yeah, that's a new revelation I'm going to reveal on this podcast. So. <laughs> um, so my number four pick. I was going back and forth between my number three and four, but number four, um, and it's only because what's that? My number three, I've only seen once, and number four, I've seen twice, and I still think. I like number three a little more than number four, but we'll see once that comes out on Blu-ray. So, but my number four is going to be Deadpool two. Um, this one I thought was a lot better than the first one. It, it was funnier. It had, I think a much better story it, and just the, I had a lot more heart than I think the first one did where it is really, I really bought into Deadpool's motivations in this one and what he was trying to do as far as finding his, like his family and, 
because the beginning of Vanessa, his girlfriend from the first one gets killed and they were planning to start a family. When he loses her, he loses all hope in that in the Deadpool kind of way. He mourns <laughs> and gets depressed. And then but he, as he learns to meets that kid who's a mutant, who's being uh, you know tortured in that mutant rehab- rehabilitation center and he tries First, he doesn't want to help him, but then he does. Then he meets the team with Cable, Domino, to form X-Force and kind of build his own family. So I like that whole theme that it had with Deadpool trying to find his family. But it then mixed in with a bunch of funny action. And <laughs> the part where he forms his team and they all end up dying is just hilarious. <laughs> so right, just, right. I think a genius move, a typical thing to do for a Deadpool movie. <laughs> it was just, that had to be cracking up. And then probably has the best end credit scenes ever <laughs> I mean, wow. the way it throws in him trying to fix the timeline as he goes back in time with cable's device to first save vanessa that was you know priority one on his list but then fix the movie mistakes of ryan ryan reynolds i mean <laughs> him going into x-men origins wolverine and killing that <laughs> deadpool <laughs> and talking to hugh jackman that had me busting up but then the top it all off <laughs> when you see Ryan Reynolds reading a script and he goes, wow, I'm in the big leagues now. And you see what the script is and it says Green Lantern. <laughs> and then you see blood splatter on it and he gets shot by Deadpool. <laughs> when he says, I think uh, you're welcome, Canada. <laughs> then that was it. I mean, you cannot not have a Green Lantern joke in there. <laughs> and even though I'm one of the few who still says I like that movie, even though I recognize its problems, it's funny when he cracks jokes and makes fun of you know what could have been of the green lantern movies so yeah a lot of great stuff in there so that was my number four deadpool 2 i was looking forward to it but i wasn't expecting it to be even better than the first one as much as i thought it was so that was a nice surprise yeah and um you took my my next one so Ah. deadpool 2 (laughs) um you know you follow ryan reynolds career and then you follow him on twitter or whatever mm. you forget that he can be a serious actor you know yeah. <laughs> like a, he, he can do a serious drama which it this movie surprisingly kind of borders on you know those dream sequences or whatever yeah, a little is. Bit. Mm. you know that you totally forget because you're watching a deadpool movie and he's making all these jokes and it's really gory and it's funny and you know you totally forget about that um, I think this was a step in the right direction for Deadpool. Um, this is definitely better than the first. Um, yeah, just the dramatic turn it took really surprised me. And the supporting cast too. Um, yeah. like you said, the kid, uh, I forget his name. Uh, I forget his name in the movie, but his yeah. name, the actor's name is Julian Dennison. Julian Dennison. Yeah. yeah. He's really good. Um, uh, the big metal guy, I forget. I forget Colossus, his name. Yeah. yeah, Colossus. Uh, oh, yeah, that was another surprise, too. How cool was it to get Juggernaut in the movie? <laughs> yeah. And he, he finally got more X-Men in it. You know, there's that one scene where he, he he's at uh, the X-Men mansion, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, the, he's complaining that you yeah. know, they can never get, like, the other X-Men, the more popular X-Men in the movie, and they're in another room. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> subtly shutting the doors <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and of course Josh Brolin as Cable yeah. and all people have you know been clamoring for a Cable 
cable in a movie and you finally get it now and he's actually yeah. funny he's funny um i always i know cable and deadpool had a lot of team ups in the comic but i always thought it was kind of i don't know if it'd be the right move to have cable debut in a movie in a deadpool film i kind of want to see him in a more serious x-men <laughs> story driven typical x-men yeah. film because that's what i'm used to in cable especially in the animated series seeing him team up and mix it up with the x-men and those stories but it worked well in this one <laughs> with yeah. deadpool so can't complain too much. Like I said, Josh Brolin was great at it. Yeah, like how Ryan Reynolds plays Deadpool, he b- kind of balances the drama and the, the the comedy. It's the same thing with um, uh, Josh Brolin as Cable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great supporting cast. Uh, um, I forget her name already. Uh, Domino? Uh, yeah, Domino. I was about to say Lady Luck. Yeah, <laughs> or as Deadpool calls her, Black Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, Black Black. <laughs> uh, she she was really good in it, and like yeah. you said, the uh, the first I, the first incarnation of the X Force, right? Yeah, uh, that, that was great. Um, oh man, the uh, Vanisher as Brad Pitt. <laughs> he says he don't see it till he gets electrocuted on those phone wires. <laughs> And, well, um, that whole sequence was so unexpected. But it, like I said, it was cracking me up just how everything was going wrong and how it's just typical Deadpool. Like a team of Deadpool, that was what would happen to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so good. And of course, Greg, or whatever his name is. Oh, Peter? Peter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has no special powers. Uh, he's just kind of there, right? Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, he survived once Deadpool went back in time to change the timeline and he saved him so oh, yeah. maybe we'll so, see so him he's in gonna sequel. be in, yeah he's gonna be in the sequel so there you go yep. <laughs> um so yeah uh deadpool it's, it's just a great time but then it gets really really <laughs> really really serious yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> when it needs to be yeah. <laughs> when it needs to be yeah <laughs> uh, awesome so my number three is gonna be like i said i've only seen it once been as I'm looking forward to seeing it again once it comes out on Blu-ray, which is going to be in a week or two, and that is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. As you know, I loved the first Jurassic World, so I was looking forward to this one. And I will say that I probably didn't enjoy it as much as Jurassic World, but and I did say in one of the episodes we were talking about how I wasn't sure how I felt about the ending and weren't left things, but I'm kind of coming around on that now, and I'm kind of anxious and excited to see what the third one's going to be how it's going to deal with that landscape of just dinosaurs roaming around (laughs) california or even if they expand by the time we get to the next sequel and something that really made me come around on that is rereading or i should say listening (laughs) to the audiobook of the first jurassic park i just came to appreciate that a lot of themes that were played in jurassic world fallen kingdom were stuff that michael Crichton was kind of already establishing in that first book and we're kind of see it be brought to life now and come to fruition in Fallen Kingdom. So that kind of made me appreciate and come around as far as thinking it's going to be, hopefully if they pull it off in the third one, a cool move to have, you know, just dinosaurs establishing and kind of making themselves known in the ecosystem of a man and see how humankind deals with it. So I'm kind of come around as far as being happy with the ending and where it left it. And just in the movie in itself, there's some great dinosaur moments in there as well and just that horror vibe it had with it especially at the ending with the indoraptor and just also seeing that moment where they're making their escape from the island and the island island is getting destroyed uh it was played out differently than what happened in the first jurassic park book obviously but that was another thing or a theme that 
happened to that book because I didn't remember when I read it <laughs> as a 10 year old kid the first time how they pretty much bombed the island like the Puerto Rican government bombed the island destroying all the dinosaurs that were on there. Thus, the tagline for the Lost World book being something has survived because they were, thought they were all dead and how the first book hinted that there was dinosaurs that made it off the island and they don't know how many and where they're at. And so seeing the island actually be destroyed in this movie and there's that the sad shot of seeing the Brachiosaurus, you know, being left behind and reminiscing of the first time you saw Brontosaurus in the first Jurassic Park as being the first dinosaur you saw complete like as whole they weren't hiding it at all and then you're seeing it die with the island and that beautiful shot of it getting engulfed in the smoke and just like i said that idea of the island being gone now is such an important part of the jurassic park franchise no longer being there so um so like i said the themes that were brought in this movie i appreciated more now that i reread the book that's why i make just to see it again and then you just mix it in with some more cool dinosaur action just uh, made it enjoyable. I'm really looking forward to seeing it again because I think I'll probably like it even more. And that intro <laughs> was a great, probably might be the best dinosaur action sequence in the movie, just seeing the Tyrannosaurus Rex again. It was just really, really cool. So, yeah, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is number three on my list. Yeah, for me, I have to uh, rewatch it. But, uh, again, you took my next pick, Tim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in sync on these two. <laughs> Jurassic World, um, for all the reasons you mentioned. I guess I could say it, but I, I do need to rewatch it. You know, I'm really curious how my second viewing of the movie mm-hmm. is going to be. Did you finish uh, the audiobook of the first no, one? No, I yet? haven't yet. Okay. Yeah, so don't say anything about it. Okay. I, well, I kind of mentioned a few things you're going to expect in there, so <laughs> I apologize if I spoiled a few things. But you know, it'll play out better when you actually hear, hear the story. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my number two is going to be solo a star wars story of course uh, maybe you're gonna be shocked it's not number one but <laughs> <laughs> now i mean i've said it before on our podcast how much i love the movie it's just filled with great character moments and that's what i love about it so much there's so much stuff i was looking forward to seeing that we knew about in star wars history and then finally seeing it play out it more than delivered for me the han and chewy stuff han and lando winning the falcon the kessel run all that stuff is amazing but then you throw in some great new characters like kira and beckett and how they're involved with han's growth as a character and then you bring in the big surprise of darth maul <laughs> i mean uh, it was i'm never gonna forget how shocked and amazed i was when he appeared on screen for the first time not knowing that having no clue he was going to be in the movie and just how and how well he fit into it too when you know about his story in clone wars and rebels it was just so so good and i don't know if you saw the pictures that came out yesterday dane of ray park as darth maul just like kind of publicity shots but it's how cool it was to see him in back as darth maul but we're not seeing seeing him in a hologram like it was in solo and he just looks so cool seeing those robot legs on Ray Park's Darth Maul in live action. It was just awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, what is that? Is that going to be like... I mean, that has nothing to do with any movie, right? No, just like stuff they... Pictures they took yeah. while he was filming and all that type of thing. Oh, Some pr- okay. Promo stuff, so... Oh, I see. But yeah, because there was one nitpick about Maul's appearance is that we didn't get to see him in the flesh, only as a hologram, but those images just show how cool... <laughs> I mean, he still looks as Maul in live action and... It just begs for him to be used again. And that's why I'm so bummed that Solo didn't do good at the box office. And it makes me worried that we won't get to see the story of Maul continue and the threads it left with him and Kira at the end of Solo. So 
yeah, maybe it won't be a solo, another solo movie, but if we get that story told and like a movie made specifically for the Disney streaming service or one of the live action TV shows, I think that'd be a cool route to go with as well. I just hope we see him, we see Maul again, <laughs> but yeah, so I will go into all the details of why I love solo again. You can check out some of our older episodes when the movie came out to hear what I really thought or a three hour episode of the saga continues to <laughs> go by scene by scene. But just for those reasons alone, like I just mentioned is why I love it so much. And I just really can't wait to see that again. To me, that's movies taking the longest. It seems to come out on Blu-ray. <laughs> it just seems like it's taking forever. It doesn't come out till September 25th. So we still got a few weeks to go, but I'm dying to see it again. I just know I'm going to love it more and more every time I watch it. Just buy it digitally, Tim. Stop uh, doing man, this to yourself. I'm Why do you always do tempted this? with Star Wars movie because it's, <laughs> uh, I, cause I get two versions of the movie on Blu-ray already, oh, <laughs> and then they come with digital code. That's what that's the thing that never makes me get digital right away. But meanwhile, you're torturing yourself <laughs> by waiting. <laughs> I know, but it so it ends up being more worth it financially in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for me. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I, 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 yeah, this is definitely one of the better movies that I've seen this summer, uh, recently came out. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about it on, uh, to, on Twitter. So I just went out and saw it, uh, definitely really good. And that's, uh, searching with, uh, John mm, okay. Cho. Yeah, that yeah. that movie is really good. Uh, yeah, I've heard than, good things about it. Better than you would expect, um, especially because it takes place entirely on a computer screen. Yeah, because I I wasn't sure, but because right. I've heard that that's what it was. But so everything is just from a computer monitor type. Yeah, thing like the found footage, like from like handheld cameras, it's like that except through the computer monitor. Yeah, exactly. Wow, a lot better than they, they pull it off a lot better than you would think it would be. Uh, really, really works, and it really works because there's such a great story uh, behind it. Uh, you know, the, John Cho's character lost his his wife, so he's, you know, sort of, um, I guess, um, uh, helicopter parenting his his daughter, and okay. his daughter is trying to, you know, be herself, and um, you learn a lot about her um, when she does go missing. So. Um, works a lot better than you would think it would because it has a, such a great story and the twist at the end is, I mean, it's it's just one of those twists where it's in front of your face the whole time and you should okay. have saw it. Yeah, you you should have saw it, but or <laughs> but seen you it. Don't. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, and it's it's such a great twist and there's a twist on top of that twist. So um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, it's it's worth the buzz. Like the Spider Man game. Like the Spider-Man game on on Twitter is definitely worth um, the the hype behind it, and it's worth seeing. Okay, well I, that'll be something I'll have to check out then once it <laughs> comes home on home video release. Yeah. So yeah, you got Christopher Robin, now I got the searching. Searching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think. Oh no! no I, I, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I did hear rumblings that there was a twist to it, but you're saying it's a 
pretty big twist, but one that you should see coming. So now when I watch it, I got to see if I can figure it out before I get the twist. Yeah, <laughs> it, well, it's not something that you you should you should see coming as much as it is. It's it, it's you, you know what I'm going to stop right there because okay. <laughs> if, if, if if I do then then uh, it'll ruin it for you. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's one I'm going to have to put on my radar then. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so my number one pick. I mean, out of all the big movies that have come out this summer, I haven't mentioned the biggest one, and that's because it's my number one, Avengers Infinity War. And wow, talk about hype going into a movie. I was really excited for this one, and boy, did it really deliver, <laughs> especially seeing it. I saw it three times in the theater, loved it the first time, and it just got better and better. And then after not seeing it for a while until it came out on Blu-ray, and then seeing it again, man, it just made me appreciate it even more. Just what a remarkable accomplishment that movie is i mean the a culmination of marvel movies over 10 years and 18 movies prior to infinity war because infinity war is the 19th and just doing such a superb job of bringing together all these characters that you know wouldn't imagine they'd be able to work the for a movie to work as well as it did having all these characters in it but yet it did and that just a testament to what marvel has built up over the course of 10 years because there's no way they can make a movie like Infinity War unless you were introduced to these characters in prior movies because they don't have to worry about set up and introducing you to these characters and understanding them. You already do because you saw most of their movies for the past 10 years and just delivering on how epic this movie should be with Thanos being the main villain. They've been building him up since the first Avengers movie in that end credits teaser he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was in another post credit scene in Avengers Age of Ultron. He's been name-dropped a couple of times. So to have him show up as a villain and just really, really has a great payoff as far as why he's the ultimate Marvel villain in the MCU. And just right away off the bat showing how much of a formidable threat he's going to be taking down the Hulk. And then once he gets all the Infinity Stones, how powerful it's going to be. And just a great job of, like I said, building a culmination of 10 years of Marvel history and characters and see this ultimate threat because you really got the feeling that this was something all these characters have never faced before. It upped the scale and what it needed to be for have all these characters come together to face a threat like Thanos. And it really delivered on character moments. It delivered on action sequences. My favorite being the battle on Thanos' home planet Titan. That sequence is amazing. And what I love about it and probably my favorite moment of the movie is again going back to the buildup of 10 years as you got Iron Man facing down against Thanos, Iron Man being the character who started the whole MCU and kind of as it was established in Avengers and the first two movies, how he's had this burden of a greater threat being out there. Once he went into space to stop that nuke from destroying New York, he saw all those alien creatures and knew there was more out there and coming face to face with that threat he's been obsessed with for the, over the last few years. It just felt right from a narrative standpoint that Iron Man should be the one to have that final showdown with Thanos. Well, not final final because we know there's another Avengers movie coming. But for this movie, that final th showdown with Thanos to be against Iron Man and Thanos was just a brilliant narrative way to go about it. And Thanos recognizing Stark, it just felt right. Like I said before, as Iron Man being the one who kicked off the MCU, it should be him that Thanos knew about. And Thanos saying he had or, or Iron Man had his respect, I thought was great too. Just so well done. And then the big. I don't know if I'll call it a twist, but a big shocker ending of Thanos doing the snap and wiping out half 
of the galaxy's population. I mean, that was something that I knew about from reading Infinity Gauntlet in the comics, but that happens at the very beginning of that story. And that's kind of what brings the remaining heroes who are left to come together to stop Thanos. So I wasn't sure if they'd actually do that in this movie. But then once they did, I was like, oh, oh, snap, (laughs) pun intended again. (laughs) Once they did do the snap and they actually went through with it, causing, you know, tons of characters to die. And yes, we know that the majority of them are probably all going to come back. But still, yeah, (laughs) Spider-Man, Black Panther, we just had a billion dollar movie. They're not killing them off and not bringing them back. (laughs) But still, you felt the impact, though, just the reaction that the characters surrounding them had and knowing that what's happened to them, that Thanos succeeded. And it's gotten compared to being like the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel movies with the ending it had where the bad guys win. And I think that's totally accurate. And it's easy for us jaded comic book movie fans or just even adult fans going into these genre movies who've seen tons of them knowing that, oh, yeah, it's easy. We know they're going to come back. I mean. So maybe it wasn't as impactful for some, but you got to look at it through kids who are seeing this for the first time, who aren't as jaded as we are when it comes to these type of movies and just the impact it's going to have on them. Like the Empire Strike Back had on that generation of kids who saw it for the first time. And I saw it firsthand because when I saw Infinity War for the second time, I was sitting next to like an eight or 10 year old kid who was just so into the movie, but then was devastated at the end. <laughs> it was like pretty much, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Like all the heroes are gone. Like, <laughs> so, oh, no. so that's how you got kind of got to look at it as far as how impactful this ending is going to be for a whole new generation. So it's just so many reasons why it worked for me. 10 years in the making, characters building up to a threat that's been established in several movies ago and having it deliver on that, having a shocking ending and just telling a well-told story with some cool action is why infinity war was my favorite movie of the summer and more than likely will be my favorite movie of the year i just loved it and thought it was a major accomplishment for marvel studios so tim what do you think my number one movie was you know i was curious i thought it might have been when you were telling me something you saw again yeah i was either between Infinity War or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Because I thought maybe you snuck in another screening of that <laughs> before I got out of theaters. Yeah. So if it's not one of those two, well, I know it's not Jurassic World because you already said that, but I was curious if it would be Infinity War or not. You got it. It's Infinity yeah. War. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I first saw it in the theaters, I didn't really think much of it. I just thought it was another Avengers movie that didn't really have anything to do with anything because the characters are going to come back and, you know blah 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 right (laughs) um but upon second viewing i guess you could say it's it stuck with me more um Mm -hmm. especially the story i think they really really got the story correct i know it's a two-part movie um but that being said i think if you just watch this one it there's a whole lot of story in it. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about it is that there's no filler in it. I mean, there's a little yeah. scene where they're, where uh, vision and uh, Scarlet witch and Scotland. It's like, okay, let's, let's get through this. <laughs> Even that, that serves a little purpose as you see how hard it is for Scarlet, Witch to kill vision, taking right. out his infinity stones. Uh, <laughs> right. Even that has a purpose. Um, but what I really appreciated about it was, how it's it's all it's 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 a lean movie 
because if you think about it from the beginning, it's just telling you the story. There's no, there's no like sidetrack or anything. It's just yeah. about Thanos stopping Thanos. There's a little bit about Thanos's background and um, uh, Gamora's background, but besides that, it's just about stopping Thanos from getting the the Infinity Stones, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I really appreciated about it and another thing I appreciated about it kind of like Deadpool was how dark it was like you said you said it perfectly it's the uh, Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel Universe right yep it's it's like no holds barred you know darkness I guess yeah they really went for it yeah (laughs) they really really went for it and I really appreciate it for uh appreciate the 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 movie for that um it did a really good job with not going overboard with all of the fight scenes and you know um decorating the movie Uh, and i think that's that that was one of my problems with marvel movies is how they decorated so much with all these you know spectacular broad daylight fight scenes that it's just pretty much two CGI characters fighting each other. And in this movie, it does have that, but it's a little more grounded, kind of like the, the Spider-Man Homecoming. It's a little more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still in space. We're still going all over the place. But if you compare it to the other uh, Avengers movie, uh, Avengers movies, sorry, or any of the other uh, Marvel movies, it's kind of tame. Um and I guess I was expecting a big fight scene. Um, I, I know there's a sequel to it, this movie, but I was expecting one in this in this movie, but didn't really get that. And I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I got you because the Battle of Wakanda is pretty big, but it still felt like it's more smaller and self-contained than when you compare not- it to like the ending of the first Avengers movie yeah. or the second Avengers. Mm. It's not epic. They're, yeah. They're not which is fine. Yeah, yeah. Which is totally fine. And I, th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you look at the dark Knight. Th- there's no big battle scene in it. Um, it's, it's just Batman fighting the mob, you know? So, yep. um, with infinity war, I really appreciated that, that it wasn't this big, huge story. I mean, it is, but it's also a personal story. And I think that's some of the, some of what's missing in, in some of those previous, previous, uh, Marvel movies. Um, and like you said, I, I, I can appreciate it for it, what it means for the, the next generation of comic book fans, of Marvel fans, of Marvel movie fans, where, they think that this is it for Spider-Man. You know, this is it for, um, you know, whoever, right? <laughs> yeah. You got a lot to choose from. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot. Um, and I, I can appreciate it on that level too. Um, so yeah, upon, upon second viewing Tim, I really came around to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, glad to hear it. <laughs> also has one of the funniest, the funniest, funniest, funniest joke in all of these superhero movies, Tim. Oh, wow. Okay. Which yeah. one is it? And I'm talking, it's better than anything. The Deadpool movies, it's better than the Ant-Man movies, better than 
any joke in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, and that's when, uh, I forget her name, uh, the, the, the girl in Guardians of the Galaxy with the antennas. Oh, Mantis, okay. Yeah, Mantis. Mm-hmm. When she says, um, where we're taking, <laughs> we're taking ass and kicking names. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and then uh, Iron Man has this look on his face. Yeah. And I think it's Robert Downey Jr. He has this look on his face where he can't believe it. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, that, that, that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> It is a funny moment. I don't know if I would say it's the funniest joke ever in a comic book movie, but yeah. I'm, I'm something I'd have to think about, but it was definitely funny. Well, I can for argue me, that. it is. Uh, <laughs> and I guess another thing about this movie is how well they used all of the characters in, yes. mm-hmm. um, in most of the Marvel movies. I'm not sure if Fat Man was in it. Uh, <laughs> no, not in this one. He'll so. be in the next one, though. Oh, he'll be in the next one. Yeah. Well. Uh, um, I I really appreciate how they used all of them, and uh, each one had their own thing. Um, especially Hulk, because I feel Hulk ever since he took his um, vow of not getting angry. I guess you could say, <laughs> which um, hasn't really worked out. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't really worked out. I mean, there's a little bit in uh, Thor, uh, the third Thor movie, but. Mm. Um, for this one, I felt like they used him really, really well. So, really impressed me. Uh, definitely my favorite comic book movie of the year. Um, yeah, uh, I can't say more about it. So, this is my definitely my number one. Uh, surprisingly, my number one because yeah. I didn't think I was gonna like it, especially. Everybody was saying how epic this story is going to be. And it's like, okay, okay, it's going to be epic. I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not sure that's what Marvel needs right now, but okay. Um, but yeah, definitely my second favorite Marvel movie. Cool. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I'm definitely surprised that it went up to your number one <laughs> yeah. for a Marvel movie to do that is surprising. And, I don't know, it might actually, because right now my favorite Marvel movie is the first Avengers, but I think the more I see this one, it's probably might take the top spot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be long before it does. Well, wait for the sequel, Tim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. And they're so saying this one, the next one's going to be even bigger, and you're yeah. that word epic against being used. So, because yeah, it, it, it's okay to tell an epic story. It's just there's got to be that sort of interconnectedness with the characters and there's got to be actual characters and it can't just be a big epic fight that's dressed yeah. up to look good you know mm-hmm. and again um, marvel has that luxury of almost 10 years of history you know, of yeah. these characters and now the separate movies to build off upon which they shouldn't have too much trouble of earning that which yeah, is why yeah. again i think this one works so well too yeah so definitely uh my second favorite uh marvel movie uh, number one being Spider-Man Homecoming. So, mm. yeah, surprising. <laughs> yeah, but a welcome one, though. Cool yeah. that we're on the same page <laughs> on Infinity War. So. Yeah, so that's our top five list for our favorite movies of the summer. And I think this is probably something we have to do every summer now, to, yeah. <laughs> just to go over. Well, unless it's a kind of a dry summer season because we know movies are coming out in the winter or the late of the late part of the year, early part of the year. So we'll either do end of summer reviews or if there's a lot of other movies coming out 
in the fall and winter, maybe we'll do an end of year review or something. But definitely something I want to do again because yeah. it's fun just talking about all these different movies. All right, so I guess we can move on to our news and discussion topics. And our first one is kind of out there, Tim. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it was a strange, like, 24 hours of this news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and strange reading the description of what was going to happen. Yes, it was. <laughs> the character. Um, so, and that's, of course, uh, that Alec Baldwin was cast and they dropped out. Um, as Thomas Wayne for the Joker for the Joker movie, uh, yeah, reading about how he was gonna play it, if it's true, I I don't think we needed that. I don't think <laughs> we we needed that sort of thing when you can. All you need to do is turn on your phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. It was when I first saw Alec Baldwin has been cast as Thomas Wayne, I'm like, oh, that's awesome casting. Because like, even before, like during the time Tim Burton was doing his first movie, when, before Michael Keaton got cast, I mean, I think Alec Baldwin would have been the perfect Bruce Wayne and Batman at that time. So the fact that they're bringing him now as an older man to be Thomas Wayne, that's brilliant casting and then i read the article and i just rolled my eyes i'm like really <laughs> that's how you're gonna be thomas wayne i, was, I don't need that no that <laughs> <Batman> my movie <laughs> no we don't <laughs> so i was thinking you know it's not because they're gonna be do thomas wayne as an unlikable character because i think the batman the telltale series did a great job of doing that hmm. but if this one was going to be weird because like first off there it seems like it's going to date itself and capture I mean, even though it's set in the 80s it's going to be dating itself as far as when it was made cap like kind of capitalizing on the big news and controversies going on in the country right now <laughs> just, you'll know when it was made and to see that just a spoof on that it's like you don't need that in a movie yeah so, and the fact that if thomas wayne really was like that and bruce saw his father be that way and be someone who was kind of not likable. And it kind of lessens his motivation to be Batman once his parents are killed because the whole reason while it worked in the telltale games, he always believed his father was a good man. And it was such a shock when he found out that was kind of behind those experiments in Arkham. So to me, the way it has to work for Bruce to become Batman to coming off the murder of his parents is that he has to, is his love of his parents and believing that they were the best people in the world to him. And it really cheapens it and lessens it. If he knew that his father wasn't, you know, the best man <laughs> there was, and was corrupt and all that. So it, it didn't sit well for a lot of reasons. And I heard like some people say, well, just wait till you see it because it could be something that maybe you're seeing it through the Joker's perspective of that's how he's viewing Thomas Wayne. And I think that could have worked, but it might've been hard to pull off that way. So wasn't yeah, too excited but, about it. But even once, then, I don't think we need that. Yeah, you know, you're right. We just don't. I mean, it's exhausting enough. Yeah. And you're, you nailed it. Mm. Yeah. But 24 hours later, <laughs> it did take long to read that Alec Baldwin dropped out of the role. And they didn't say, because there was a lot of fan backlash online about this. A lot of people weren't happy about it, understandably so. But. The, he said it was for scheduling conflicts and I don't know, it seems a little convenient that <laughs> just 24 hours later, because he sent a tweet 
before he dropped out saying like what's been described as my character is something I'm not playing. It's totally inaccurate. And then like a few hours later, he's out of the project. So it was just, like I said, strange the timing of everything was strange. So yeah, he's no longer involved as being Thomas Wayne and they haven't got the role recast just yet, but it's going to be interesting to see who they get. And if they totally abandon that characterization of him, which I hope they do. So like I said, it was a strange course of 24 hours. Once the story broke, which was like the, Came out like the end of August once it was revealed. So, yeah, it went from excitement to eye rolling to, okay, that's weird. He's no longer part of the project. But <laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see how they move forward with it. But it was definitely, like I said, a strange occurrence. Yep. Uh, our next piece of news, Tim. This one's and disappointing. Very, very disappointing. <laughs> I was about to say, very, it's going to be very, very disappointing for you, Tim. But there's a silver lining. But. The Batman, the animated series Blu-ray, got pushed back. Uh, yeah, sadly. But <laughs> the good thing is it's only like two weeks. It's coming out now on October 30th, but it's probably going to feel like a long two weeks yeah. <laughs> once it should have come out on the 16th. But uh, the cool part of it is that it's going to come with the digital copies of all the episodes, which I think is awesome. To have all of them in HD on the go on your phone and iPad is going to be awesome so i really really like that so like i said a silver lining to it it's going to be a long two-week wait but it's going to be worth it no longer how <laughs> long it got to wait to get this set because man it looks amazing did you see that little trailer they put up dane of the comparison side-by-side shots of the original quality and the remastered quality no i haven't man, no it no amazing. does it okay i was gonna ask because some stuff i'm talking about uh, star trek the original okay. series <laughs> doesn't look very good in high definition. <laughs> no, this one does though. Okay. Cause yeah, they're clean. The colors on it just pop out at you. I mean, just the Batman, the animated series intro, the classic intro, and the, yeah. it's, they're showing the whole thing side by side. I mean, it's cleaned up good. The colors are vibrant. They stand out. I mean, I knew they were remastering it and I was expecting to look better, but I don't know if it was going to look as good as it does here, but man, I just can't wait to see, all the episodes and some of my favorite episodes looking like they never have before. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's things I got to wait an extra few weeks, but it's going to be worth it because that trailer looks incredible. And they're saying they're going to release some more comparison thoughts like this of actual scenes. And that I can't wait for because if it's anything like the intro, it's phenomenal. So yeah, <laughs> and that's going to be so awesome to have. I can't wait. So you got to be really careful about, about, uh, you know, HD remasters, you know, mm-hmm. because like I said, Star Trek, um, the original series doesn't look as good as it, as it probably they did. did. Cause they redid all, pretty much all the effect shots, I believe. Right. Where like, yeah. they did CG shots of Although the outer space you, of the enterprise. Mm-hmm. If you do watch it on Amazon, they, uh, it, they do have the original effects. Okay, that's yeah, cool. I think so. the Blu-rays have the option, too. Like, you could switch it on or off or which version you want to watch, which is good. Oh, I see, I see. But, yeah, um, you can clearly tell, like, oh, that's William Shatner's stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can kind of tell that anyway, though, yeah. <laughs> even without the HD remasters. <laughs> yeah, especially on the um, – and I'm not faulting the, the original series on this um, – you know those certain episodes, I can't really pick one out off the top of my head, where you can tell they ran out of money for that week? 
Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, oh, okay, so we got this new, you know, uh, hose that's supposed to take us back in time or something, right? <laughs> and it's clearly the hose from a, you know, like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's a vacuum cleaner hose connected to a pizza, a, a pizza box connected to oh, wow. like a, a paper plate. <laughs> oh man. It, it brings yeah. out even more on the HD remasters. I take it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. Especially if you watch it on, um, on Netflix and you, um, you have a really good, t- uh, TV. Okay. You can tell. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> what is that? It looks like they just got stuff that that was lying around, but I don't fault them for that. I know they didn't have that big of a budget, you know. <laughs> and it's part of its charm too, you know, yeah. When you watch yeah. it, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, that sort of campy, sort of sci-fi thing, right? So. Mm, exactly. <laughs> so maybe that's something you should still watch via your VHS to DVD converter. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> or if you if you um, if you have a camcorder. You know, the one where you put the little VHS tape yeah. in uh-huh. and then you filmed your television <laughs> with that. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, our next piece of news is that um, the Titan show has a release date and schedule. So uh, it's going to be on the DC Universe streaming service um, on October 12th. Yeah, this was surprising because... Titans is coming out October 12th, but the DC streaming service, um, that is coming out on September 15th, which is Batman Day. <laughs> I think that's a coincidence. <laughs> but yeah, so they kept saying Titans was going to launch with the program. So this is another thing that I guess you can maybe consider a delay. So um, I know they were trying to build this as like the big selling point as far as original content go, but it looks like I have to wait a little bit longer, a little under a month for it. But they had that um, big reveal show. Like they, had, they did the live stream with Kevin Smith hosting about a week ago, which I watched for the most part as they were talking about all the stuff you could come in to expect and how the app works. It all looks awesome, and I'm excited for it, but still don't know when it's coming out on consoles. And that was actually when they were taking questions on that live stream that Kevin Smith was doing. That was like the first question they took that everyone was asking. Is it going to be on consoles like PS4 or Xbox? And Kevin Smith said, well, it's only natural DC and video games, they have a long history, so of course it's going to be coming to consoles, but stay tuned. We should have more information uh, available to you soon. So that's still disappointing. I'm glad they acknowledged it. I'm glad there's, it's something that fans want. I just hope it's something they fix and get it out there right away, because I am probably going to wait till it is on consoles before I do my subscription, because I'm definitely going to subscribe to it. So, yeah, but as far as Titans go... Another interesting thing about that as far as it not launching with DC Universe on September 15th is how the episodes are going to be released. And it's not going to be like Netflix where all the episodes are available to stream from the get-go. It's going to be released um, once a week. Um, And I'm not sure if it's going to be – I think it's going to be uh, 10 episodes if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not sure if it's going to be 10 straight weeks or it's going to be kind of broken off a little bit. Maybe we'll get – five episodes five weeks in a row it takes a little break and then i get the remaining five so it's going to be interesting to see how they pl- it plays out and i don't know how i feel about that because when it comes to streaming original content shows like netflix i'm so used to now to getting all of them ready to go and you can just binge watch it so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with waiting every week to get new episodes of titan when it's on a streaming service so 
Uh, we'll see. And they actually released some new character art, which looks really cool, especially the one with Nightwing. I mean, Nightwing Robin. I mean, to tie into Scylla show, everyone's kind of bagging on right now. And I I understand why with that some of the stuff in that trailer, but I'm still looking forward to see how it plays out when I see actual episodes. But I still think most of the costumes, minus Starfire, <laughs> look really good. Robin and Beast Boy in these new um, promo shots, I think, look really cool. So, um, yeah, so the whole DC streaming stuff is going to be here before you know it. I mean, just a little over a month to go. So actually no, I'm mistaken. For some reason I thought we we're still in August. I mean, we're recording right now. It's September. September 8th. Yeah. So you're actually going to be able to see it by the time, like two days after this episode comes out. So <laughs> if you want to, you should be able, you might be streaming something while you're listening to this episode. I don't know. So <laughs> we'll it'll be interested to see more feedback once it actually releases. So, uh, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe if, if I see a lot of stuff on there that I want to watch, maybe I'll cave in and just subscribe to it right away and watch stuff on my iPad. But man, I just want it on my console so bad. So I could, I really want to see how the comics stuff works on TV. It looks cool seeing it on those videos demonstrations, but I want to see for myself how it works on the TV. Cause I think it, that could be a really cool feature. So please hurry up and get it on console as soon as possible. It's great that you acknowledged it, but let's, had that be a priority on <laughs> what you want to fix with the streaming service because to me that's such a big one yeah it's still going to be a wait and see for me uh wait for tim's review before <laughs> yeah <laughs> before, it was a pretty cool like uh, that, that whole live stream was pretty cool because they were talking we got kevin conroy on there he had uh, uh terry hatcher talking about lois and clark um you had like jim lee there and then you had a uh, uh <laughs> Oh, Greg Capullo. I don't know why I was for some reason I was getting Capullo mixed up with Azarello <laughs> with their last names, but Greg Capullo on there demonstrating the, how the reading a comic works on the TV. So it was a pretty cool live stream. It went on a little too long, probably because they were introducing all the new hosts that's going to be on DC's uh, daily like video show that they're going to do, where they're going to announce new stuff and I guess any big announcements and reveals is going to be on that new show that of course will be on the app. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but again, I wish it was on the console. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might sound like someone who's complaining about it a lot, but as like I said before, those being my main sources of how I watch streaming content, it's why I just want it on there so much because it is my only option to watch things on TV unless I want to go out and buy a Roku or an Apple TV or something. You know, it's actually smart um, releasing it in you know a couple days because I think they're getting ahead of the Disney one that's going to be. Yeah, it's um, going to have a big head start yeah, on that. Yeah, so, yeah, well, wait and see for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll, another thing, I, I'm not too familiar with the Doom Patrol. I know some of their characters, but it's getting a pretty good cast <laughs> as far as the characters are going to be. I think Timothy Dalton has been cast as the chief, like, I think the main, the main head guy of the, the group, the Doom Patrol, and you have Brendan Fraser, I think, is going to be a part of it. So it's getting some, like, not a-list hollywood names nowadays but some like big names in probably like the 90s and 80s <laughs> that are coming to this tv show and there's been some set photos that have shown some of the characters and it looks like they're capturing the look of it pretty well so do patrol is one i'm gonna be keeping my eye on as far as the next show to that i'll probably definitely check out after times comes out so we'll see how that one shapes up but that's going to be the next one that's kind of getting the most buzz i've been seeing lately with all those set pictures and cast announcements uh, so yeah, uh, our next piece of news is going to be that Han Zimmer 
Hans Zimmer Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why I put it as Han and not Hans. <laughs> no, it's, it's not Han. It's Han Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Han Zimmer is uh, going to score Wonder Woman 1984. So yeah, it should is, be good. Yeah, <laughs> good news. I, even though he said he's retired from doing comic book superhero movies, definitely yeah. that he's coming out of retirement for Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not sure because I'm sure he had a role in the Wonder Woman theme for Batman versus Superman, but I wonder who really wrote it, him or Junkie XL, because I know they both did the soundtrack for that movie. But yeah, I wonder how that breaks down. Like, does Junkie XL like take like half the songs, and then Hans Zimmer does the other half? Yeah, or they just come up with ideas and see which ones work (laughs) for the themes and course of the movie. Yeah. So if he did do the majority of Wonder Woman theme, then it's Good that he's doing the sequel for the movie. Right. Even though the first one had a good score too. But Hans Who did Zimmer. that one? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> it was a good score, but I didn't pay attention to the name on it. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. Let's see. Wonder Woman soundtrack. The music was by... Let's see. Come on, Wikipedia. You're supposed to say it right away. It's not up top. Rupert Gregerson Williams. Oh, okay. So, someone I'm not too familiar with. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, and it just says, uh, for as far as the Wonder Woman theme goes, it was written by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. So, not giving yeah. the credit to one of the other, just the both of them. <laughs> Who did the um, uh, Lord of the Rings soundtrack? Uh, Howard Shore. Howard Shore, yeah. right. Which I'm actually in the process right now of trying to make the ultimate like movie soundtrack playlist for my iPod. <laughs> so uh, at first it started just some main themes that I like, but then I go, there's stuff missing. I'm going to try to add some. And then I just went down the rabbit hole of kind of getting like themes and uh, favorite pieces of music from the soundtrack for every movie that I've seen or remember. So what I'm doing is going to Wikipedia that has like, the year breakdown of movie releases. So I'm just going year by year, looking at a list of all the movies that come out. Some that I might've forgotten about. If I see some, Oh yeah, I saw that. I'll type in the soundtrack on, on YouTube more times out of not. It has everything I'm looking for. And just going through all these movies I've seen over the years and just putting them all together. So I just got finished with the eighties and I'm, at 1993 right now is where I left off. So I got a long way to go, <laughs> but it's going to be a huge playlist. You know what the coolest part of that movie is to me? One of those movies is um, the the hooded guys. The ring rays? Ring rays, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or oh, the Nazgul? They're Nazgul, yeah. Called either one. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like such a great things. design. Yeah. Also, the... Uh, not elves. Oh, the orcs. Uh, I really like the orcs in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like the Urukai. The yeah, hybrid. Urukai. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I don't know the terminology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing on my to-do list. I want to do a massive Lord of the Rings rewatch. Or not just Lord of the Rings, but Middle Earth rewatch. Watching the Three Hobbit movies and watching yeah. three Lord of the Rings movies. But for some reason, I like watching it in the fall and winter. To me, those movies just scream fall and winter. <laughs> like, to get in the full atmosphere of it. <laughs> that's why I haven't done it over the course of the summer. Did you see... Um, the, uh, I, I guess this is a thing that movie theaters do is they screen all three extended cut movies. Uh, I know they were doing that. Row. Yeah. This year. 
or I couldn't find one that was close enough for me to go down there. <laughs> okay, what is it. that like? Fourteen, like twelve hours, fourteen hours? Probably about ten hours, I would say. Oh, ten hours. Because but fellowship two towers are mostly probably around three hours and twenty minutes, three and a half hours. Return of the King is like three hours and forty minutes, so I believe oh. so. Maybe it's around ten to twelve, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's almost a four-hour movie, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, what'll be nice about seeing it in a theater is that you don't have to worry about flipping the disc, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or not flipping the disc, but switching out switching. disc one to disc two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the advantage to watching those on digital. I will say you don't have to worry about that. Just watch it all the way through. I wonder if um, they actually have the film when they do that, or if they if they just use like a digital download or a digital yeah. release for it. I kind of think it would be that because I yeah. don't know if you have access to that. Yeah, yeah. But extended cuts are the definitive version, in my opinion. Those are the only ones I watch. Really? Yeah. This is the stuff they add. I think it just makes it so much more of a complete story. So, so what's like one thing that they've added that you liked that I liked or didn't yeah. like. Well, I pretty liked. much, I liked all of them really. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I really have a complaint about an extended scene they have in there. So yeah, I so, think they've all worked well. So there's no, like, I forget Sean Bean's character's name. Uh, Baffamore. <laughs> well, what is it? Baffamore. Yeah. Baffamore. Isn't that a it's, name? It's Bora 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 Mir. Bora <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> I will say Baffamore does sound like a Middle Earth name. So maybe there is someone who's named Baffamore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's no scene like, oh, he got to get on his horse to go someplace. Now, there was an extended scene of the two towers that shows yeah. him and his brother Faramir before he left off to Rivendell to join the Fellowship. Yeah. It was showing him and his brother winning winning a battle. Um, then they were celebrating. Then their father came to tell him about, you know, the ring has been found. We've been summoned to Rivendell for the fellowship. And now he at first was kind of reluctant to go and how he was kind of disappointed his brother Faramir wasn't getting the respect that it, from his father about the victory they had. And this kind of established the bond that him and his brother had and why his brother Faramir took his death really hard in the two towers. So that was, a again, another good ex- Added seeing that in there that has just built the characters more and established certain relationships better. I just remember the crazy dad. Yeah, <laughs> isn't he like just like a like a like a city councilman or something like like the the Lord of the Rings version? He's of a, that? His title is the steward of Gondor. Yeah, since right, Gondor right. doesn't have a king, he's technically in charge as a steward. Yeah, yeah, he's like a low-ranking member of the board <laughs> well he would be if there was a king but like i said he's pretty much top dog without the king though <laughs> oh and he, um uh, aragorn is the king of the don't tell me tim don't say anything uh, <laughs> uh i'm trying to remember the name of the city of the city of Come on, Do- Dorchester. Be- <laughs> it begins with a G. Gordon. Gordon. Close. G- oh, damn. You're so close, Dane. 
Gord. <laughs> yeah, I get in the. You're saying yeah. the last part of it first. Or is that the end of Dungor? it? Dungor? <laughs> Close again. <laughs> Dunmore? No. God. Gondor. Gondor. There you go. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. got it. I know Lord of the Rings, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're making it well known that you're such a huge, you know, fan of the yeah. lore and names and all that. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't test me, Tim, because I don't want to put you to shame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I got to watch out. <laughs> I know the. It, 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 isn't the. The place where the elves live, uh, where, um, uh, what, uh, I almost said Ava Green. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? Kate Blanchett? Um, no, not Kate, Kate Blanchett. Uh, Liv Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Liv Tyler lives is, um, is it like Evermore? No, uh, <laughs> I said it earlier. <laughs> oh, geez, what was it? Rivendell. Uh, Rivendell, and then where Kate Blanchett lives is, it's uh, Tree yeah. City. Yeah, <laughs> how did you guess it on the first time? <laughs> That's Tree City, <laughs> also known as Lost Lorien. Lost Lorien. Lost Lorien. Lost Lorien. Yes. Oh. Uh, that's the place with all the trees and like the the glitter. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, <laughs> the glitter. Yeah, it's like glitter in the air. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, kind of has that feel. <laughs> Sounds like you're in need of a rewatch of all three movies, Dave. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I do remember. I think it's uh, Sam gets a mm-hmm. rope. Yeah, right? uh-huh. and then like I'll, I remember being like. Like, out of all the things you could have gave me, you, <laughs> yeah, you could have hey, gave me a mighty movie. great sword, you know, but you <laughs> gave me a rope. <laughs> it, it came in handy, though. Yeah, I, I guess, right, to, to catch, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gollum. Yeah. yeah, Gollum. I was about to say uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know Lord of the Rings, Tim, so if you ever yeah, want to know anything about contest. If you ever want to know anything about Lord of the Rings, please don't hesitate to ask me. <laughs> I don't know. I might have a little hesitation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's it for our Lord of the Rings section and our history news lesson. And, yeah, news <laughs> or geography lesson. Yeah. <laughs> news and discussion topics. And now we can move on to our conversation with Alex slash listener feedback. And I do believe we have an email from Alex. I mean, not Alex. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Right, Tim? Yes, we do. Yeah. It's an older email since we didn't record our episode two weeks ago. So this one's from August 19th. And so, as always, Jordan says, hey, Tim and Dane and Alex. I'm glad to hear you love The Death of Superman too, Tim. What a film. I left just non-spoiler thoughts in my last email since I wasn't sure you'd seen it yet, but I'll dive into some spoilers here. I absolutely adored the scene you brought up where Superman saves that little boy. It's very reminiscent of the scene from the Smallville Season 4 finale, Commencement, where Clark saves a little boy named Henry who's about to get hit in the second meteor shower, which resulted in an iconic shot that was used in the opening of every season thereafter. Pretty much any time some... Something takes inspiration from the greatest TV show of all time. It's a good thing in my book. In the scene in Death of Superman, the boy runs back and hugs Superman. And Superman just takes a moment in his brutal, drag-out brawl with Doomsday to comfort the boy. 
I think that scene is magnificent and really just epitomizes who Superman is and what he means to the people he helps. Like I mentioned in my non-spoiler thought, this movie does an incredible job of showing what Superman means to the world, and that scene is the best example of it. Another scene I absolutely adore is the one where Clark and Lois are having dinner with Jonathan and Martha, and Martha brings up Clark's past relationship with Lana. As a huge Klana shipper, that makes me so happy. I love all the Lex stuff in the film personally, so I didn't have the same that same nitpick myself. Rain Wilson is just brilliant in the role, so I agree on that. The scene where Superman confronts Lex when he's uh, meditating also reminds me of Smallville, as Lex asks Superman what he's bar- what he's barging in, accusing him of, of this time, which is something Lex would say to Clark on Smallville, where Clark would rush into Luthor Mansion, yelling at him after the falling out. I love that. Another standout Lex scene for me is when he's watching his employees in the ocean get murdered by Doomsday. Lex has not a care in the world that his employees are being ripped to shreds, but rather he's in fact pleased that he's getting the chance to study Doomsday's tactics. That just feels so Lex to me. There's also the scene in the elevator where the guy who Lex had wearing his ankle bracelet says to him that sometimes he forgets who's on house arrest, to which Lex simply replies, I don't. Again, so Lex. The final amazing Lex scene that I want to bring up is when Lex gets saved by Superman at the end. Of course, this is another uh, one that harkens back to Smallville for me, since their relationship on that show all began with Clark saving Lex's life. Here in The Death of Superman, Lex is so furious that Superman has saved him. I think he would have rather died than had Superman steal his spotlight, which just speaks so much to how Lex feels towards Superman. Especially since Kate Kane is currently uh, in the talk around the multiverse given the recent casting announcements of her in the Arrowverse. I'll ask, did you catch her cameo in The Death of Superman? She's sitting with Maggie Sawyer at the funeral. Anyway, this film is absolutely astounding. Or outstanding, I should say. But no, I actually didn't catch that Kate Kane cameo, but it does make sense that she would be with Maggie Sawyer in that moment. Because I know Maggie Sawyer was in the beginning, so I'll have to look out for that next time I watch it. In terms of Matt Reeves' latest comments on his Batman movie, all of what he's saying is good by me. It's very exciting that the script is so close to being finished and that the movie is likely to start shooting next spring or summer. We're getting close, y'all. I'm expecting a lot more news to be dropping about this project in the coming months. Reeves plays very coy about Affleck's status as Batman, but he does seem to reiterate that his film will be part of the DCEU, which I've been fully hoping and expecting to be the case. I also love hearing Reeves reiterate that his movie will be noir-driven, and it sounds like it may center around a mystery allowing us to get a lot of Batman detective stuff, which is very exciting. When the report came out that Reeves may be taking inspiration from Batman Year One, I was all about it. First off, Nolan took inspiration from it for Batman Begins, and it resulted in what at that point was the greatest live-action Batman film ever made, until Nolan later surpassed it. Secondly, there are so many elements in Batman Year One besides the origin aspects that are ripe for the picking. Catwoman, Carmine Falcone... The corruption of Gotham, the dinner party scene, the noir elements, which Reeve is indeed taking, etc. The Dark Knight Returns used, was used as inspiration for back-to-back live-action Batman movies, The Dark Knight Rises and Batman vs. Superman, and yet each film took different elements from that story, and it resulted in two very different, very amazing movies. Just because we've already seen year one used as inspiration for a live-action Batman film doesn't mean it should be off the table for future filmmakers. Anyway, Reeves has explained that he won't be directly adapting your one, which I never expected to be the case whatsoever. But if he does indeed wind up taking the inspiration from it, even more than just the noir elements, perhaps, I'm totally down with that. Yeah, you make a good point right there, Jordan, about a moment from year one that would be great to see in live action that hasn't been done yet, which is the dinner table scene. I mean, it's such 
an iconic cool moment for Batman to make himself known to some monsters or criminals there that that's a moment that's just begging to be done in live action. So hopefully that is something he'll take. I agree with you on that one. But he continues saying, in terms of Black Mask being reported as the villains for Birds of Prey, I think he's an excellent choice. Ever since I first saw the Batman episode, The Breakout, as a kid, and was blown away by now by how Gotham and Black Lightning star. Uh, let me read that again. And I was blown away by now Gotham and Black Lightning star James Raymar's terrifying performance in the role of Black Mask. I considered him one of the most underrated Batman villains. I was hyped when David Ayer was teasing him at the as a potential villain for Gotham City Sirens. And whether or not we eventually see him in that film, too, in addition to Birds of Prey, I'm so stoked that we'll be seeing him in Birds of Prey. The other thing to consider about this news is a report from a couple of months ago that the Penguin would either be the villain in Reeves' Batman movie or in Birds of Prey. Well, since the Penguin is not the villain of Birds of Prey, perhaps this means he's a, he is indeed the villain of Reeves' Batman film. My fear of the ocean makes me enjoy films with underwater horror elements even more, actually. It makes it even more scary for me, which those movies are supposed to be. I've never seen Jaws, but I saw The Shallows when it came out two years ago, and I loved it. Well, that actually does make sense, Jordan, that it just adds to the horror element <laughs> for those movies are trying to convey if you already have a fear of the ocean. So thanks for answering that question, but you got to see Jaws. I mean, it's the epitome of horror water films. How <laughs> you can just got to see it. Yeah. How can you not? <laughs> yeah, so we got our movies that we got to check out that we talked about. Dane's going to see Christopher Robin. I'm going to see uh, what the searching, searching it's called, right? Yeah. And now, Jordan, you got to see Jaws. <laughs> yeah. You have to see it, Jordan. Don't worry about seeing the sequels or any of those because those don't really matter. No, <laughs> just, those are those are unfortunate. Yeah, just see the first one. You won't regret <laughs> it. Um, but he says, I am back on Twitter now. I went ahead and made a new account. Yeah, Jordan's back following each other, following the Batfans podcast Twitter account. So it's good to have you back, Jordan. It just sucks, though, that he had to create a whole new account and get your followers established again. I'm sure that must have been a hassle, but good to have you back. I think Batman 53 is such an extraordinary end to this Cold Days arc. Spoilers. I was already calling Cold Days one of the most unique Batman stories ever told, but this issue cemented that. The only story I can even think of that explores the relationship between Bruce and Batman in as deep a way that this one does is Batman Ego. Yeah, completely agree, Jordan. <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, the, way Bat the way Bruce conveys the rest of the jury or convinces the rest of the jury to change the way they're viewing Batman it's just fascinating to watch play out. Then we get that end tease of Bruce in the newer, well, old Batsuit, and it's awesome. Tom King has explained the reasoning for Bruce donning the old Batsuit again before, and I loved his explanation of it. Of it then, and I loved it here reading it in the comic. It breaks my Batcat heart, but I just love the idea that it's too hard for Bruce to continue wearing the Batsuit he wore when he was happy with Catwoman. Yeah, well, you'll hear what I think about that final issue of Cold Days in just a few minutes and see if I agree with you on that. But as Jordan, as always, finishes with a couple of questions. Um, first one is, how would you rank the upcoming and in-development live-action DC TV shows in terms of your excitement level for them? For me, it's number nine, Watchmen. I don't want to have to put any of these shows last. Although I'm excited for all of them, but one has to be. And even though I'm extremely excited to see another expansion of the Watchmen universe, Number eight, Pennyworth. I love what Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon have done on Gotham and specifically with Alfred. So I'm eager to see them put on, or put him in the spotlight and maybe pulled even more from Batman Earth One 
version of the character as they delve deeper to his backstory than we've ever seen before. Number seven, Project 13, the pre-Flashpoint Blue Beetle run in which uh, Tracy 13 had a very big role. It's one of my favorite comic book runs of all time. And I'm eager to see that character get her own TV show. Number six, Doom Patrol. I come to love Doom Patrol thanks to the appearance in season five of Teen Titans. And seeing April uh, Balby in the DC Universe is very exciting for me as she played my favorite character on Two and a Half Men. Number five, Batwoman. Caroline Dries worked on Smallville and wrote a ton of super episodes. And it's so exciting to see the Arrowverse finally expanding to Gotham City. Number four, Swamp Thing. Mark uh, Verhayden worked on Smallville as well and also wrote one of my top 10 episodes of the whole show. So I can't wait to see him return to the DC Universe again. I'm really looking forward to the romantic elements of the series, as well as to see what our first modern life Swamp Thing looks like. Number three, Metropolis. By virtue of it being another Superman prequel series, I immediately get Smallville vibes. The premise of Lois Lane and Lex Luthor investigating strange happenings in Metropolis sounds fascinating to me. And I love what John Stevens and Danny Cannon have done on Gotham. Number two, Titans. Smallville alum Alan Rich, uh, Richson is in, is in it, and someone who grew up on the so grew up on and adores the Teen Titans animated series, this is something I've been waiting for so long, and the trailer looks amazing. Number one, Stargirl. So much of what we're hearing about the show just completely screams Smallville, as it's a superhero show set in high school in a small town. Stargirl and the JSA were, of course, on Smallville, and Jeff Johns wrote four episodes of Smallville. So yeah, that's when you wrote that, man, there's a lot of shows coming down the pipeline <laughs> for DC. So for my list, I guess I go number nine, Project 13, just because I'm not really familiar at all with that character. I didn't read that uh, pre-Flashpoint story you mentioned about Blue Beetle, so I'd probably be uh, – but you're saying it's great, so maybe I'll have to check it out. But right now that's uh, number nine on my list. Number eight, I'll go Metropolis just because it's – you know I've said it when it was announced. Another pre-Superman TV show without Superman, which is kind of getting tiring, but – Lisa's going to have familiar characters with Lois and Lex in it. So we'll see how it plays out. But I just want <laughs> I'm just getting tired of these Superman shows without Superman. So but we'll see if it ends up getting to a point where he shows up. So we'll see. Number seven, I'll go Swamp Thing. Never been much of a Swamp Thing fan. Not because I don't like him, just because I haven't really invested too much and read much pretty much any of his stories. So it could be cool. Maybe if it looks good, I'll check it out. Might make me more interested in the character. Number six, Stargirl. Um, yeah, it should be a fun series, like set in that high school setting, like you were talking about. And it's kind of a passing project for Jeff Johns, which, you know, since she's based off uh, his sister who we lost tragically. So we know it's going to be an important show for him to be involved in or be involved with. So it's definitely something I'm going to have on my radar to check out. Number five, I'd go do patrol. Like I said earlier, the stuff I'm seeing with, uh, set photos, it's looking pretty good and it's getting a good cast together. So this looks this one looks like it could be something unique and really cool to see on the DC Universe streaming service. Number four, I'll go with Pennyworth, uh, just because I like the idea of exploring Alfred's past. I know a lot of people rolled their eyes when this series was announced and uh, saying how can Alfred uh, focusing on Batman's butlers, like getting desperate and really desperate or really like cherry picking ideas to milk the Batman franchise. But I don't see it that way. Alfred, as we've seen him previous comic stories i think has an interesting background to justify a tv series as long as they don't foreshadow too much of his relationship with batman just have it be completely about alfred's past i know there's talk about him possibly teaming up with thomas wayne which is fine 
think it makes sense for him to be establishing it to know the Wayne family from an early age. But let's let's keep the Batman foreshadowing at a lim- <laughs> very limited or hopefully not even at all. So they'll, they'll want to see too many eye wink moments. It's like, oh, you know what's going to happen here <laughs> pretty soon. So but as long as it keeps that in check, I think it can be pretty cool. Number three is going to be Batwoman. Like you said, it's going to be the first cool to see here be brought into the CW Arrow universe. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to establish, you know, if Batman's involved in this universe at all or that it's going to have a be Batwoman's working on her own. So I'm really curious to see how like what element Batman's going to play once they establish that Gotham and characters from it are now in the Arrowverse. So we'll see when they have that crossover special in December. Number two, I'll go with Titans. Um, like we said, it has the potential for something to be really cool. A uh, live-action version of some classic characters like Robin, Beast Boy, Starfire, and uh, Raven. I mean, as well-documented, the trailer gave mixed reactions, but I think there's enough in there to have it be worth checking out and hopefully delivers once we see some actual episode because the potential, I think, is definitely a layer. And the number one for me is going to be Watchmen. And at first, I was a little split as far as the direction they're going because at first, I thought it was kind of going to be a retelling of the comic and maybe adding a little more to it, maybe like some of the before Watchmen stories we got a couple of years ago. But it's actually going to be continuation off of that, which doesn't have me as excited I would be if they were focusing on the classic Watchmen characters. But at the same time, I just love that universe so much. And then seeing it continue on is going to be very interesting. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to play off that story and continue on with it. So it's definitely going to be my most anticipated and one I'm really anxious to see how they're going to pull off. So that's my list. Um, I don't know if you're going to be watching any of these series, Dane, but is there any that <laughs> has your curiosity peaked at all to check out? No, not really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but uh, yeah. Well, you've never been much of a TV uh, superhero show watcher anyway. So yeah, uh, maybe the Watchmen, but I'm just not sure how that's going to turn out. Um, yeah, maybe the Watchmen one. Uh, I know Damon Lindelof is attached to it, and I really liked uh, The Leftovers, his uh, HBO show. So maybe that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think out of every out of all these shows, that one would probably be more up your alleys for, yeah. <laughs> for TV show to watch. But again, I think you'd at least have to check out at least one episode of Batwoman's live action debut. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe one episode of yeah <laughs> Batwoman. And who knows, maybe you'll get hooked on it. Yeah. And then Jordan's second question is, we've been getting news of a lot of new characters joining the returning live-action DC TV shows recently. Um, one of them, or of them, I should say, who are you most excited for? The character I'm most excited to debut on one of the returning shows is Agent Liberty on Supergirl, played by Smallville alum Sam Witwer. All of the Arrowverse shows are great at legacy casting, but Supergirl is number one in that regard. And this is just further cements that for me. I'm so excited to see yet another Smallville alum on Supergirl, following Helen Slater, Dean Cain, Laura Vandervoort, Linda Carter, Terry Hatcher, Mark Gibbon, and Erica Durantz. And it's very fitting for Sam to be joining the cast now, given how much Regent's storyline last season was inspired by Doomsday's storyline in Season 8 of Smallville. The anti-alien movement that is going to be a focus in Season 4 is very intriguing to me, and Agent Liberty will play heavily into that. He sounds and looks t- and look terrifying in the trailer too, and his mask reminds me of the voice of Rao's mask. Yeah, I'm probably have to agree with you about Sam. What we're here too, Jordan. First off, I'm not. Don't think there's any other legacy 
new cast members I'm aware of joining any of the CW shows this year. Maybe I'm missing one, but um, having Sam Witwer again, I mean, he's just a great actor. I mean, he killed it as Maul, Star uh, Killer in the Force Unleashed games, and he was good as Doomsday in Smallville, too. That was pretty much my first exposure to him because that came out, I want to say, around the same time or a little bit before the Force Unleashed. So uh, that was my introduction to Sam Witwer, too, and he's just such a fantastic actor. So I'll definitely agree with you on that one. And that's going to be it for Jordan's email. So as always, thank you for the email, Jordan. Sorry, it was a delay in reading it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to your next email being more up to date on what we talked about on this episode. And also, too, um, I know you just got a pretty cool experience. I believe it was Dragon Con. If I'm not, if it was another con, I'm sorry. But I know you got to meet Tom Welling and take a picture with him and Michael Rosenbaum at a, the convention. So which I know had to be an amazing experience for you. So I'm looking forward to reading about that in more detail on your next email. So look forward to that. Did he put that on his Instagram too? Uh, yes, he did. Oh, well, well I'm pretty that. sure he did because I saw it on Twitter. And I'm just assuming if he posted on Twitter, he had to post it on Instagram. Oh, okay. You just okay. got to see Jordan's face. It's just a total <laughs> shock and excitement that, you know, he's with his two actors from his favorite TV show. You get to see the joy on his face. <laughs> uh, well, well, thank you, Jordan, for sending in your email. We always enjoy reading them, right, Tim? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but now we can move on to comic book reviews. And for this one, we have Batman number 53 and Batman number 54. But, but like we say at the beginning of every single comic book review, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to pause it right now and then go read them and then come back. Right, Tim? Yeah, but for Batman 53, since we're <laughs> delayed in reviewing this one since our last episode, I'm pretty sure you've read it by now. <laughs> well, you don't know, I mean, Tim. You don't know. You could have just been reminding them. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, a rating scale for this episode is going to be... Uh, I was thinking uh, things that Tim doesn't pre-order right away and has to wait longer. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. yeah, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, that's going to be a rating scale for this episode. So Batman number 53, uh, as Jordan alluded to in this email, this is wrapping up the Cold Days arc. And I was a big fan of the first two parts of this issue. Tom King is doing something different and telling a very unique story here that's just working on every level when it comes to Bruce and his identity as Batman and just the two roles he has to play in life. And Boy, did it wrap up with a very, very fantastic issue. I love this one. This definitely the best issue of the story arc, and it might have cemented this as maybe Tom King's best story arc in his run so far. It's short, but, man, it just brings up a lot of good themes. And this issue in particular, there's a lot of deep, heavy, and philosophical themes brought up here, tying into Batman and his origin and just, you know, in his way of life as Bruce and Batman, how he balances that just some fascinating stuff. Cause the big theme here is, is God and how sometimes people view Batman as a godlike figure being perfect and everything he does is final and you can't question it because he's held in such high regard, but it plays in both ways as people viewing Batman as that, but then Batman using faith and the belief in God and kind of his origin to becoming Batman and how he looked for questions after his parents' death because the issue begins where Batman, he has to try to convince the jury that Batman did mess up in bringing this evidence against Mr. Freeze. That's what Bruce is trying to do because, you know, he's trying to (laughs) ease his conscience or cleanse his soul, so to speak, about bringing in Freeze on false accusation. And he notices 
one of these other juries had a cross um, around her neck, and Bruce asked her about that. And he asks them if she believes in God, and then she in turn asks Bruce. And this is where we get into some you know deep stuff with Bruce and Batman's origin that we don't normally dive into much. And Bruce goes, um, yes, uh, I used to, he says. He says, my father was a Christian. We went to church. Um, he told me all the stories. He says, but he, but he wanted me to come into it on my own. And we're getting panels of Bruce and Thomas Wayne walking to church. They're holding hand. Then the next panel after that is Bruce holding his father's hand as he's lying on the floor after being murdered. He did, then Bruce just says, you know, after his parents was dead, he was upset. And he goes, I put aside believing in a deity. He goes, he had trouble believing in something that my father viewed would save, would save him. And yet it didn't. He said, I couldn't really see there, there being anything out there that could have saved him in that moment. And how he left Gotham searching for something to put his faith in. And then we get panels showcasing this great stuff of, you know, very quickly showing all the important beats of Batman's origin. Him grieving with Alfred. Him at the cemetery questioning himself. Training. Traveling the world. Seeking answers. And Bruce says that. He came home. He goes, he was searching for something to put his faith in. But he came home. But when he came home, he says, "Um, I waited something to find me. And I found it. There's, There's great pages Splash page right here as he says that when he says, I wanted or I waited for something to find me. And you see Batman just swinging across the skies of Gotham, knowing that the identity of Batman is what found him and that faith he put in. Like that was his new course of living and how he's going to view or his faith is going to be built on his identity of Batman. Then that continues about, you know, how Batman's always been there for the citizens of Gotham about all the monsters and demons he goes that have been established in the city. Then he gets panels of scarecrow penguin joker riddler two-faced mr freeze batman taking all of them down being the protector and he just goes you know and he goes on to say like i mentioned after his parents died he's telling the juries that he found batman as that faith to put to, to believe in and it's just great reading that as you see the duality of it where bruce is telling that to the jurors that he put his faith in batman for the good he does in the city, but we know as readers and that Bruce really is Batman, that faith he put in that part of his life as Batman to put, to believe in it and to have everything be centered around that. It's just, you know, fascinating to read and think about how Bruce, how his mind works and how he goes about his life. So just fascinating stuff as far as bringing in those religious undertones into Batman's origins. Like I said, we don't go into too deeply too much. And Tom King just did a, great job of establishing that and Bruce's reasoning here. And like I said, he goes on to try to convince the jurors that that's not really true with Batman. He's calls him the world. He has all these names, the world's greatest detective. Uh, We put our trust in him. He's infallible. But then he even goes even further with the biblical undertones by bringing in some scriptures in the story of Job and talk about that question of, and who are you when Job kind of questioned God about um, when he was going through all those trials and tribulation and Job kind of questions them and then God answers back to him, like, you're questioning me, like you, like I'm the creator and you, like, who are you to be saying this of me? And people kind of put Batman in that regard. And that's what the jurors in this case are doing. Like if they were to question Batman's uh, judgment on bringing in Mr. Freeze, Batman or Bruce is trying to tell them. Do you view that Batman would go, well, who are you to say this to me? I'm Batman. Like, of course, Freeze is guilty. I found this evidence. I mean, how dare you question me? But Batman is trying to prove to them that that is not right. And he goes, Batman is not like that. He is just a human like you and me. That's where Bruce goes into 
really the pain that he's in right now where he talks about goes into or he tells the jurors that I was hurt recently and it goes into the shot of Bruce or Batman mourning uh, just have like this sad face on him as he's in this almost like abandoned warehouse and it's because of the relationship of Catwoman that's now gone and how important that was and he goes on to say you know he as he goes on to mention about all the good Batman has done and how the faith Bruce and had had for him but now that this pain he has here, uh, every, Batman's just not – it's not doing it for him now. His face has been shaken. And he was saying that there was this – he goes about the tragedy of his parents and how for the first time he was happy. He doesn't say, of course, to the jurors that it's because he was in love with Catwoman. But as we're reading it and we're seeing the panels of Catwoman in the shadows, we know what Bruce is talking about. And there's this great big of dialogue here that Tom King wrote beautifully about showing – Batman's pain and just like the struggle he's going through right now, trying to make it through this tough time. As he said, this was a moment in his life that he was really happy, but then he goes and then it all fell. Everything falls. And I fell. I screamed as loud as I could. And my scream was a prayer to him, to the mask and the symbol and the hope and the fist. I begged for him to catch me tears in my eyes. I fell and I begged and I wanted, please, please Batman, Help me. And he goes, I'm still waiting. That's another aspect where you just know what Bruce is really talking about here. He's asking that of himself, asking for that help as as Batman to be there for him, but it's not there. And again, it's going to sound like a broken record here maybe, but Tom King, again, showing that duality of what Bruce is saying to the jurors, trying to convince them, but he's really trying to convince himself as well, knowing that he is Batman. It's just really great writing here. So in the end, Bruce does convince the jurors on this reason that Batman is not infallible, that he does makes makes mistakes. And it goes into what freeze was saying that Batman wasn't himself. There was something wrong with him. And, you know, you know, we can't take Batman just knowing that what he says is law and that's, it's not the case. He is just a man. He's Bruce seldom. He's not perfect. He's just like us. So Bruce does convince the jurors to vote not guilty on Mr. Freeze and I like how we get the reveal here because after that we show him getting dismissed. All the jurors are leaving. And he's having a conversation with, with Alfred. Alfred tells them, so justice was done, Master Bruce. And Bruce just goes, well, they voted not guilty. I'm not sure about justice. And then Alfred reveals, well, I suppose a juror bribing his way onto a jury so he might convince the others is not the purest uh, way to achieve a verdict. But showing that Bruce bribed his way to get on the jury here just to kind of, like I said, ease his conscience because he knows what he did with Mr. Freeze was wrong, giving the wrong evidence against him. So that was great. But then what really topped the issue off was just a great moment, as Jordan alluded to, as far as Bruce getting back into his old bat suit. He tells Alfred, um, he goes, as he's time to get the suit ready, he goes, I don't want to wear the suit I was in when she, when I, he can't even finish the sentence of saying Catwoman left him. And Alfred just says, yes, sir. And Bruce tells him, I need to get back to Alfred. He goes, I'm lost. And I need to remember who I am. And there's this beautiful, beautiful final page to end it on with Batman back in his classic suit. And it just looks awesome. I mean, I didn't mind the new Bat-Suit he had for a while, but this one is just classic. It's just the black cape and cowl, the black Bat symbol on the gray shirt there. He has the trunks are back. And it's just the classic Batman look we've all known and loved for years. Just so good. And in the final uh, word balloon here, it is a scripture from Job 
uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, that says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. He fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked come, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it's kind of showing that, you know, in this comparison to Batman, after all he's went through, he didn't go through as much as Job did in, in the Bible there, but showing that, you know, he's coming back like fresh again, making a, a brand new start. I thought it was a nice parallel that Tom King made here. So just a great issue. Like I said, bringing in some deep, heavy themes here that you maybe wouldn't think about too much when it comes to Bruce and Batman and his origin here, but it made total sense and was just great to read. It's a job well done by Tom King in this whole story arc. It really dived into the psyche of Bruce Wayne and Batman, as Jordan said, probably um, just as good as that Darwin Cook story, Ego. I'm not sure which one I like better because it's been a while since I read Ego and I love that. But this one's going to give it a run for its money. So fantastic issue. I'm going to give it five out of five things that I pre-ordered too late and now I have to wait to get it. Fantastic. So after Batman 53, of course, we got Batman 54 this week. It was just a single uh, story arc that was told in this issue. And definitely not as heavy as some of the themes brought up in Batman 53, but it was an enjoyable Batman Dick Grayson story. That was a fun read. And there was a mix between current day stuff with Nightwing and Batman stopping various criminals and then flashbacks of when Batman or Bruce first took in Dick after his parents died. So there was good contrast to that. Not all of the flashback sequence worked for me or hit the right note. Um, I'll get to that in a minute, but it starts off with Nightwing and Batman. They're pretty much taking on like the D-level <laughs> villains that are viewed as jokes. At first, they will go up against Qua- Crazy Quilt and Nightwing is just laughing and trying to figure out. Now, what, is this power? Like, it has to do with sewing, right? He has a sewing obsession about his No, it has to do with the colors on his costumes. Like, it's supposed to hypnotize us. And it was like, Nightwing's like, really? I could have sworn we fought him before. Did he change his, like, gimmick and all that? <laughs> and Batman's saying no. Batman still hasn't gotten over, you know, the breakup with Catwoman. And Nightwing's here to try to break him out of it or trying to snap him out of that so that, that funny occurrences all around with nightwing and batman because then we get another moment where they're taking on the condiment king <laughs> which is you know the, the classic probably the best worst batman villain out there of course he made his debut in the animated series episode almost got him and then i just love how nightwing's not even taking him seriously but yet he's saying that to batman he is he's just laughing and Bruce, I love what he goes, you know, how can you be depressed after we're fighting all these joke villains, crazy quilt and now the condiment king? I mean, come on. <laughs> and Batman tries to tell him he's not a joke. He's caused seven robberies, even killed three employees. And like Nightwing's still not taking him very seriously. But then he gets splattered with ketchup all over his face. And he goes, OK, we'll talk about this later. So I just love the banter and dynamic between Batman and Nightwing here. But the flashback stuff. I kind of know what Tom King was trying to go for here, trying to establish the building relationship between Bruce and Dick, but I didn't like how bratty he made Dick. I'm sure Dick had his moments as a kid where he wasn't the best child, but they just kind of made him really bratty here. He's calling, you know, when it was Bruce and Alfred trying to get him to eat lunch, um, he goes, cucumber sandwiches are gross. You're gross. And there's another moment where he goes, you're stupid or you're awful, something like that. There's several occasions I've had that didn't feel like dick to me is that more like i like i said i picture i pictured dick having his moments but i always had him being 
appreciative of Bruce taking him in once he got comfortable there. But at the same time, even when he wasn't as comfortable, he just, I don't think he ever acted this bratty. Again, I'm going to go back to the classic Robin's Reckoning episode of how Dick was when he got first taken in there. That's how I always picture him being there. You know, he wasn't totally comfortable and yet with Bruce Wayne, but um, he never was acted this bratty or calling him names and saying you're stupid or stuff like that. So that's the stuff that didn't really hit the mark for me. But then it kind of it ends on a great note between Nightwing and Batman in the present where, again, Nightwing's still trying to snap him out of it, get cheer Batman up. And he tries to make a bet with him and saying, like, how far he can, like, bounce his uh, viral blade against all the <laughs> trophies in the bad cave, like the Tyrannosaurus strikes, the giant penny and the Joker card. And they dig harkens back to an old bet they used to make or the first time they were kind of hitting it off once Bruce took him in about how Dick told him the story, how him and his parents, we used to bet a penny on something and that would be a fun game. And Bruce or Dick does that again about this bet he's making here. And when it hits the penny, he tells Batman goes up, you owe me a penny. I'm going to take the big one. Harkening to the giant penny, of course. And then Bruce or Batman turns his head and just goes, you know, I do not. And he starts laughing and he goes, okay, that one was pretty good. As he's starting to laugh, he can't finish it. He just goes and he says to himself, why can't I? Why can't I? Like, I'm sorry. I'm fine. It was like, he just, he's trying to show that he's over it and show that sense of like, he can't be happy, but he's just not quite there yet. And Batman's frustrated about himself that he's not there yet. And then Nightwing is there or shows the reason why he's sticking around with Bruce to be there. And I love the line where he says, he goes, I know you're fine, Bruce, but just know I'm here. Or he goes, know that I'm here if you do not want to be fine. And that's what Nightwing's trying to be there for Batman instead of, kind of showing that he's okay and that he's over this when Dick can tell him that or can tell he's not and he still is depressed. He just wants Batman to let it out and Dick is there for him. And again, contrasting that to some of the stuff we got in the flashback moments, like I said, didn't all work, but there were one or two moments where it did. And this again shows that great relationship that Nightwing and Batman or Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne have because there was another flashback moment where Dick has a nightmare. He's screaming and then Bruce comes to in his room and comforts him and this is knowing that he's there for him and they just give each other a hug. That was the best flashback moment. I thought worked best at the end sequence with Nightwing telling uh, Batman that he is there for them when he's not fine. Just great stuff there. And it, to me, this issue just harkens or just uh, reaffirms why I think Dick Grayson will always be Batman's greatest partner. No matter how many Robins there are or other partners he might have, no one's going to come close to Dick Grayson. He just brings that relationship in history with Bruce that no one else does and has that personality that, you know, is in contrast to Batman, but works well, even though they are so different and they bounce off each other so good. And and when things get tough and Bruce really needs Dick or Dick really needs Bruce, they have that history and relationship that no other one of Bruce partners ever has. And it just shows there that special father son dynamic that will always be there. I just thought was really well done and told here in this issue. So this was a fun issue, just a one-off story that I thought worked really well. The only thing that kept it back for me was some of those flashback sequences where Dick was a really snotty kid, <laughs> so that didn't work for me. So I'm going to give this one a three and a half out of five things I pre-ordered too late and didn't get, and now I have to wait. That's a lot of things, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I know. Altogether, it's about you know eight and a half items I pre-ordered way too late. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess that's it for our podcast. It's a long one. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to make up for lost time, but I felt we did. <laughs> uh, but you can uh, check out 
our host site at the batmanuniverse.net facebook.com slash batmanuniverse twitter handles at batmanuniverse shows twitter handles at uh, batfanspodcast um, tim's twitter handles at timg311 I'll say it this time ah, and <laughs> my twitter handles at danesasbanana um and you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, like we see at the end of every single show, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our bat and spider hearts. Spider hearts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.